I call to order the March 6, 2023 Edgewater City Council meeting. Roll call. Mayor DePue. Here. Councilwoman Gillis is excused. Councilwoman Bennington. Here. Councilwoman Dalbo. Here. Councilman Powers. Here. City Attorney Wolf. Here. City Manager Irby. Here. City Clerk Slotnick present. Please stand for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Please remain standing for a moment of silence. Approval of the minutes, none at this time. Presentations, proclamation, plaques, certificates, donation. A pre presentation by Fire Chief Larrazy. Mayor and Council, thank you for giving me an opportunity to brag about our department. Uh, we're here tonight. A few of our supporters are in the back with the red shirts. It's our 75th anniversary for our fire department, and I felt like we should have like a little PowerPoint to show you some basic history of our department and the uh, fire association. Uh, before the fire department existed, the town consisted of about two blocks wide and two miles long. Uh, the police chief used to haul around Indian tanks in his trunk to put out brush fires for us. Uh, forest rangers and New Smyrna Beach Fire Department would extinguish fires for us. And in 1947, dry season had a numerous brush fires in our city. In 1948, 12 men met at the Village Improvement Association, where our PD is today, uh, which created the uh, Edgewater Volunteer Fire Department, established in January 19, 1948, uh, started with 18 firefighters. And we had a 1922 American LaFrance used pumper. And in March 30th, 1948, there was the creation of the Volunteer Firemen's Association of Edgewater, and they were established to help support and raise money for equipment for us. Um, the first fire chief was William Can Cannon on April 1948. Firemen were notified by a siren mounted on a pole at Park Avenue, the center of the town. First fire station was built by the firemen on the evenings and weekends. In 1948, they responded to five fire calls and did drill monthly. In 1951, the fire department responded to 26 fire calls. 1952, several members quit because the town purchased a different truck than what they wanted. In 1953, firemen started a dues assessment of themselves to purchase a second fire, fire truck. Purchased a used truck and built a tank and assembled the pump to make the fire truck. In 1953, the wives formed the ladies auxiliary. The community center. In 1954, firemen started building a community center which, with a kitchen and an adjoining large fire station. First dining held uh, February 21st, 1955. They used the community center for fundraising dinners to purchase new fire trucks and to add fire stations near the rear. You can see our fire station would be the two bays on the far left-hand side. 
where your office is. And this would have been kind of like the kitchen area over we here. Used where to do bingo the, too in the kitchen. Yeah, where the building department is. That was kind of the kitchen area. Okay. Mm -hmm. 1957, they widened US 1, creating a problem with the power to the siren. So the phone companies installed phones in the firemen's home. When firemen received a call, their wives would call three firefighters and so on. Pagers weren't introduced to the department until 1977. In 1973, the third fire station was built. The firemen designed and built it. It was called station number one. The old station was converted to a police station and newly formed, and then there was a newly formed Edgewater Volunteer Emergency Rescue known as EVER. 1975, Edgewater Volunteer Emergency Rescue was formed. In 1981, the Edgewater Rotary built a separate ever station next to Fire Station 1 on US on Ridgewood, US 1, which was essentially two bays and a very small office. In um, March 20th, 1975, the fire department's mascot was created and born. It's, it's still used on our patch today. November 29th, 1976, Coronado Paint, fire, fire one death and 17 injuries. Over 200 firefighters responded, brought units from Brevard County and the Kennedy Space Center. This, this incident led to the creation of the first modernized mutual aid agreement in this county. Volunteers continued to provide many services and fund, fundraising events to support the fire department. Still to this day, we have bingo, so if anybody's interested in bingo. In 1981, with the growth of the city, the firemen built the fourth fire station called Station Number 2, which is now our animal shelter on Mango Tree. The land was donated by uh, David McAllister, and it was occupied until 1997. July 4th, 1986, while doing the annual 4th of July uh, community fireworks, Chief George Kennedy was killed in an explosion. That's why this park is named after him, Kennedy Park. A lot of people don't realize it's our former fire chief. In 1989, uh, Ever was combined with the Edgewater Volunteer Fire Rescue Department, uh, creating a single fire rescue services department. We are a combination department. November 1989, first career members were hired. City hired the first career fire chief, uh, fire lieutenant, fire inspector, and three <laughs> firefighters. They worked only weekdays and volunteered covered nights and weekends. Over the years, the department was staffed 24-7 with one fire engine and two personnel working 10s and 14s. December 25, 1995, the department started providing advanced life support services. In 1998, the growth of the city added an additional personnel and Florida Shores Fire Station was built. December 4, 1998, we hired eight additional fire rescue personnel that doubled the size of the department. That's our Hibiscus Fire Station there. This is a picture of our fire hall, which is right next door, the fire association. In 2002, Edgewater Fire Rescue Association Incorporated completed the fire hall. The fire hall is used for meetings, training, social events, fundraising, and supports uh, responders during disasters. That's our bingo hall, basically. That's where we have our bingo. If I keep plugging that, I won't have to help at bingo. So. <laughs> Uh, patient transport in 2005, October 1st, 2005, uh, began an agreement with the county to allow the, this department to uh, contingency transport. We, re we purchased a used ambulance. It was refurbished. 
and we transport it during the hurricane. That was our first real transport for contingency. March 2012, the city received the federal grant to update the main fire station, 55. This lo located housed a response crew along with fire administration, fire inspections, code enforcement, and animal control. Today's department consists of four divisions, consisting of the fire chief, division chief, three battalions, six lieutenants, nine driver engineers, 15 firefighters, a fire inspector, animal control officer, and two code enforcement staff. Here's uh, the list of our firefighter or our fire chiefs, starting with the volunteer, and then William Vola in December 1989. He was our first career chief. And if you have any questions, thank you. Thank you. Yes, come back up here. Yes. Okay. Proclamation. Whereas the Edgewater Fire Department was first incorporated and staffed by volunteers in 1948, and whereas for 75 years the members of Edgewater Fire Department has protected the people's families and their homes, the schools, churches, visitors, and the business of the city of Edgewater, and whereas the members of Edgewater Fire Department has provided services to the city beyond fire rescue protection, such as building the community center, building of four fire stations, and many additional service projects for the betterment of the city of Edgewater. And whereas, for 75 years, members of the city of Edgewater Fire Department have sacrificed many family engagements and events in order to serve the residents of Edgewater, amounting to 22.59 square miles within the city of Edgewater. And whereas, in 1989, Edgewater Fire Department and Rescue Department were combined together and were the first paid fire chief, lieutenant, fire inspector, and three firefighters were hired from, from the volunteers and were asked. The Edgewater Fire Department has proud heritage, including generations and memberships of loyal local families whom have made innumerable and enormous contributions to the city of Edgewater at great cost to themselves, accepting great risk to their own personal safety to ensure our safety, using countless hours, days, weeks, months, and even years of their collective time for training, reporting for duty, protecting us in the dark of night, in the bitter of cold, in the blistering heat, during storms, floods, and fires. And whereas, for 75 years, members of the Edgewater Fire Department have undertaken the extraordinary responsibility of serving as department officers, shaping the department into extremely effective and efficient safety services that is of great pride to the city of Edgewater. Now, therefore, as be it resolved that all this and more given without thought to the personal risk or cost, clearly deserves the thanks of the community and recognition of the unique and virtual part the City of Edgewater Fire Department has played in shaping, protecting, preserving the City of Edgewater. A witness, therefore, I hereunto set my hand and cause the great seal of the City of Edgewater to affix the sixth day of March in the year of our Lord, 2023. Fire horn from the end of my street. <laughs> it doesn't go off anymore. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you. Presentation by James Moore, Certified Public Accountant and Consultants on the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report for the fiscal year ended September 30th, 2022. All right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. So a little bit about Yada. I know I met with most of you guys uh, last week, and uh, so we went over the power present presentation in a lot more detail we're going to go through tonight. Um, Happy to report it's going to be a boring report, and that's what you want from your auditor. If your auditor has a lot of stuff to say that night, then that's probably not a good sign for your city. Um, so a little bit about the independent auditor's reports. So there's a couple different independent auditor's reports you see in here. Uh, you guys are subject to U.S. auditing standards, government auditing standards, um, also subject to federal and state single audit at times. This year, you were able to use ARPA money. That ARPA money had a separate compliance engagement we performed as well. You didn't have to follow any single audit for it. So all those different rules, plus the Florida Auto General likes to throw some additional stuff in there as well. So the first one is the opinion on the financial statements. Now, all this is as of September 30th, 2022, that year end, so always remember that. And it's considered an unmodified opinion. That's the best opinion we can provide as independent certified public accountants. You will see it's a new format on that report. Just our auditing standards changed to, to move the opinion closer up to the top of the report as opposed to down towards the bottom and added some additional explanatory language. Internal control over financial reporting and compliance. That's a report required by government auditing standards. I'm happy to report this year we had no items required to be reported to you. Um, you did correct one item from the prior year. Um, and all this is, of course, you know, to Bridget and her staff and Glenn's leadership. You know, as always, you know, we had no audit adjustments again this year. So congratulations, Bridget, and congratulate your staff as well. Absolutely. That's very good. Excellent report. So the next thing we'll talk about is the Auditor General reports. So the Auditor General has us go through some other items. So some of those are follow-up on prior year comments. They also have us look at financial condition assessments. So we do financial condition assessment where we compare the city over five years and then compare the city to comparable size cities by property value and by population. So you guys come out on, on that report to be favorable this year, either favorable, inconclusive, or unfavorable. Um, we also perform an analysis and examination of your Florida investment statutes compared to the city's policies to make sure you're compliance with those. And we had no comments related to that report as well. I said, see what I'm saying? It's very boring for me. I don't really have much it's to say. for us, too. Um, you also have separate CRA audits. This is the third year. State statute changed a couple years ago. And they said, okay, if you have a CRA and you're expending, you know, um, a significant amount of money in them, then you must have a separate audit performed on that CRA. And you guys have been doing that for the past three years as well. And we have no comments in those reports. So a little bit on the numbers for the year. People always ask me different things. So these are some of the highlights that I would think most people would be interested in. You know, property taxes increase as set by your budget, you know, in, in the year based off your millage and your taxable property value. The big thing you're going to see throughout if you look at those financial statements is the ARPA funds. Um, you received, you know, more than $10 million, but you were able to recognize this year $10 million of that under a special exclusion allowance that you could use those for general government services. And that enables you then as a, as a city council to decide exactly where those funds will go in the future. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Your expenses increased as well, just through general government expenses as well as public works. You had a, each year your repaving and surfacing program. The prior year you weren't able to get as much done. You got back on schedule in 2022 on those resurfacing projects. Um, business type activities. So for your business type, that's your 
enterprise funds, your water, sewer, solid waste, um, stormwater. So you have an increase there in your charges for services. That's set by the utility rate study you guys had a couple years ago, and you're following that study to how those rate increases need to go to help pay for um, capital expansion in the future and those increased operating <clears throat> costs that go along when you increase your, your infrastructure. We also have capital grants and contributions there in your, in your water and sewer funds. There was a slight decrease there. And then also the expenses. Your expenses primarily went up due to the wages and benefits being paid. So a little bit on some more numbers. We got your other governmental funds. And these are your fund balances or what's left over at the end of the year, your equity in each of those funds. And we break them out into different buckets. Some of those are non-spendable that you can't, the cash is already out the door. There's some restricted amounts you'll see there in 2022 related back to um, building permit fees. So as your building activity increases in the city, state statute says you can only, when you collect it, building permit fees and you, and you remove your expenses from that, that difference, if there's anything left over, it can only be spent for building activities. So you can't use that and pay for, um, say, the fire department that was up here. You can't throw them a big party with that money. You can only be used back to the building permit side. Um, your assigned fund balance, most of that consists of your next year's budget. So as you do your budget each year, you know you're going to have different projects that weren't finished. So that's to carry over some of those projects as well as what you're anticipating to spend in the next year. And that was about $4.9 million. And that leaves you about $9.7 million that's left unassigned at the end of the year. And we'll get into what that is compared to your charter reserve in a little bit. Your other governmental funds consist of your impact fee funds. You know, so your parts, your streets, all those different impact fee funds there, you have about $3.2 million. And that's been picking up, you know, recently with the building activity. But as we all know, it doesn't, you can't really do even much with, say, if you had $500,000 for some major projects. So you're still building up there, anticipating using those funds in the future. Um, then the committed and the assigned fund balances, those relate back to your ARPA fund. So a portion of that, as a council, you've already said, hey, we have a plan for a portion of this money, about 50%. When are you going to loan some money to solid waste? And then you're also going to use some of that for your future um, city hall land purchase when that comes about. So where, are you, where do you sit in your enterprise funds? So enterprise funds are set up to be paying for themselves. You have charges for services. Those charges back to your utility customers then are paying to support all the expenditures. So you don't use your general government dollars. You don't use your property taxes to fund your enterprise funds. It, they're purely funded by charges for services only. So this is the unrestricted portion that's left over. And you'll see the only really change in those numbers from the last three years is really in your water and sewer. And that's those rate increases we've been seeing in anticipation of those expenditures picking up and hopefully be able to pay a little bit of some of that infrastructure costs without borrowing as much. So as I mentioned before, we get back to kind of that $9.7 million that's in your general fund. And what is that when you look at your charter reserve. So you guys are different. Most cities would not don't have a charter reserve in their in the reserve side. They don't put it in the charter. It's typically a policy. So you so that's something different by city of Edgewater voted on by the citizens. They don't want you to drop below 15%, which is a little bit less than two months of operating expenditures. And that's for all your operating funds. That's your general fund, your water sewer, your solid waste, and your stormwater. So you see there and you're about you know 40% in general fund, you know, solid waste about 31%. But I'll have to remind you, we had you know, some little storms come through this year, and that estimated cost is about $4 million already. And so the city will lay out most of that cost. You know, they got to pay the contractors that came and picked up the debris, and then it'll take you a little while to get payback from FEMA. Um, based on past experience, it could be one to five years. 
you got some projects that could be even longer if you got to wait to the completion of that project to get reimbursed. <clears throat> so it can take a while to get that money. So that's why you need more than even what your charter reserve have just from a cash flow standpoint to be able to get the work done that needs to get done to get the city operating again and the infrastructure back in shape and then wait on the money from FEMA. So just a couple items in the note disclosures to the financial statements. This was a year we had to implement and, and Bridges staff worked on this is the lease part. So we had to implement the le a new lease standard where any leases the city had had to be recorded. Before it was only certain criteria met the, 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 um, to be recorded as a liability or to have to book a receivable if you were the lessor. And at first you might think, well, well who do we rent to as a city? Well, the, the one you probably know of might be the YMCA. So you have that, you know, that land out there that you rent to the YMCA. The other one that most people didn't think about is cell phone towers. You know, whether, whether you have the land and the cell phone tower sits on it, that's income that's coming into the city, and there's long-term agreements with those cell phone tower providers, those cell towers, whether it's, you know, Verizon, AT&T, the <coughs> big ones we see, that you have to record that on your, on your books now and say, hey, we got a future amount that's going to be coming from these companies. And they're usually pretty long. Usually, you know, set up with usually a five-year agreement with multiple five-year um, renewals. Um, we did have one asset, one liability we had to record related back to your copiers throughout the city. Long-term debt, good news for this year, no new long-term debt. So you're paying down the debt you have. Of course, you'll have, you know, maybe some potential coming up with the, with the water and sewer plant expansions going on. Um, so that's great when you just, you're just able to pay down debt in a year. Other post-employment benefits, this was better this year. In the past, when I've come to talk to you, we've had increases close to $2 million one year. The prior year, about $1.6 million. So it was nice to see that coming down. That was due to some changes you guys made you know, with your bargaining units as well. So it's nice to see that only had a $200,000 increase this year, you know, just about $9 million. So that was a nice change for you guys. And then you do have some, a tax abatement program, and you do have one business with that, you know, the Boston Whaler plant on that. And you got a couple more years left of that tax abatement, but you're receiving way more in additional property taxes from that um, location than you are for the small amount of tax abatement. I always get asked about pension funds, so I always put a slide in. So this is a history of kind of where the liabilities are going, the future payments that you'd have to pay out if you close the plan on September 30th, what you'd have to pay out for all the different plans. So you see there, you know, they're on a downward trend, but this, the, the important thing here is to remember these are all as of one year, they're one year behind. So these are all as of September 30th, 2021. So we all know what happened to the stock market and investment market in 2022. So you're gonna see these liabilities shoot back up again. You know, investment returns, what I've been seeing on pension plans and yours experience the same thing for the current year is, you know, about a, anywhere from a 15 to 25% loss on investments. Um, so that's going to drastically affect both this and it's also going to affect potentially what you have to contribute to those plans in the future. So I tried to keep it short and boring for you guys because, you know, that, that, that's what you want from your auditor most days. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> you've been here for some of the other meetings, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It can put but, you to sleep but I'll take sometime. any questions you have, and uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You have a they good were, night. It was a very good report this year. Thank you. <laughs> you got to thank those people, not me. Well, you're <laughs> the one that presented it to us, so thank you. <laughs> all right. Have a good night. Citizens' comments. This is time for the public to come forward with any comments they may have. Please, citizens' comments relating to any agenda matter may be made at the time the matter is before the council. 
Please state your name, address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Good evening. My name is Linda Thomas. My address is 3117 Conley Drive, Edgewater, Florida. 32132. I'm here representing Oakland Cemetery. We have been doing this for 20 years. Um, Oakland Cemetery was created in 1926. The original plot was shown as Could you move well, just a little bit closer to the microphone? So sorry. Thank you. Okay. People in the back can't hear you. Okay. Thank you. Oakland Cemetery was created in 1926. The original plot shows a well-planned five-acre cemetery with distinct boundaries and other landscape features that conform to the rural cemetery movement deeply entrenched in the American landscape movement. Burials began within weeks of that plat being registered with the Volusia County Clerk of Courts and burials continued until 1969. Historical death records indicate that over 200 individuals were buried at Oakland Cemetery. While not specifically noted on the registered plat, the intentions for Oakland must have been clearer during that time period of 1926, that this was to be a colored cemetery, an alternative burial location to the Hawks Park Cemetery, renamed New Smyrna and Edgewater Cemetery. As a cultural resource, African-American cemeteries have suffered disproportionately in the last decade. A number of high-profile cases have shown desegregated cemeteries to suffer from a range of vandalism, from just benign neglect to institutionalized <clears throat> ignorance of these once revered places of remembrance. For the last 20 years, a group of concerned citizens have been fighting for justice for Oakland Cemetery. The Oakland Cemetery Association, Inc., a 501c13, was founded to remember those who were buried there with dignity. 20 years of negotiations with the landowner, the city, county leadership, the state regulatory, nothing has produced any lasting or acceptable outcomes. The Oakland Cemetery Association retained legal archaeology council in 2019 and has worked toward a mediation between the landowner, John Massey, and the cities of Edgewater and New Smyrna Beach. To date, the landowner has not been responsive to these requests. It is the status quo, and it remains that way. I come here tonight to ask to please have the new city council, new mayor, to look at Oakland Cemetery to get, it might be just the right time now. Thank you, ma'am. We'll be in contact. Thank you. I'd like to also, these are the Oakland Cemetery folks, descendants, volunteers. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the subject that I would like to discuss please is... Please state your name and address into the record, please. Well, I just wanted to make sure that I can discuss it later. I'm not actually going to have comments oh. now if I have time. Um, I wanted to discuss 10C Oakleaf Preserve and just wanted to make sure I have yes, a lot uh, of time. Yes, ma'am, you okay. will. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Good evening. I am Pam Ison. I live at 624 North Riverside Drive in New Smyrna Beach. I am here tonight representing the Southeast Volusia Chamber of Commerce as their incoming president. And to share with you, we're continuing our program started last year, where we will have a member of our board of directors at every single city commission meeting in New Smyrna, Edgewater, and Oak Hill. Thank you for your service. Thank you. Thank you. Any other citizens' comments at this time? Seeing no further citizens' comments, approval or changes, modifications to the agenda. This is Sounds good. Council reports. Councilwoman Dalva. Okay, um, thank you. A few reports I have. Um, I attended the Crime Watch meeting uh, two, two, two or three weeks ago. And Captain Geiger was speaking about understanding your surroundings, um, the laws and soliciting from companies that go to door-to-door -door and that they need to register with the county. So if you see someone out there who is walking door-to-door, -door, you feel uncomfortable, they're, they're not showing who they are or a badge, uh, call the non-emergency number the police station and your address and they'll come take, a, take care of that as soon as possible. I also toured the Riverside Conserv Conservancy and um, I got a great tour that, that day. Um, they're working on the Living Shore shoreline, oyster reef breaks, attracting new oysters, uh, and the cement they use is made with oyster shells, so it attracts oysters. Uh, mangrove reef, whale, reef walls, um, they're available for seawall mangroves uh, for retrofits. And if anyone chooses a conserva uh, conservative um, easement, they will fund the planting and shoreline restoration for that. I also attended a TPO meeting, and uh, one of the topics of the meeting were uh, Vision Zero, which is no number is good number for accidents, you know, in our in our country, let alone our county and city. Um, and they're implementing things, and I wanted to see if the council would entertain having someone come and talk about this at a future council meeting. Um, it talks about the safe system approach uh, with safer people, safer roadways, safer vehicles, safer speeds, uh, post crash care. And see, yes, and um, one of the speakers, uh, she's from Florida Department of Transportation, uh, Office of Safety. Um, if we're interested in hearing more about that, uh, she'd be more than happy to come in and talk to us and, and any citizens who may be more interested in getting more involved in this. I think this is something that, that would, um, would increase the safety here in Edgewater. We'll see where we would go wrong. I agree. That'd be great. <coughs> be wonderful. Thank you. That's all. Of course. Councilman Powers. Nothing at this time, sir. Thank you. Okay, of course. I had a great day spending the day with Fire Station 55. You guys are amazing. I attended a YMCA <laughs> board meeting. I had a great meeting with Jessica from Volusia Manufacturing. I had a meeting along with the city manager with students working against tobacco. The city manager and I enjoyed a breakfast with the mayors from Oak Hill to Port Orange along with Councilman Robbins. I enjoyed going to a tail, a tail end meeting of a chamber meeting. I had a great time speaking to the Kiwanis Club of New Smyrna Beach, where I had the pleasure of being the guest speaker. I had a wonderful time speaking at the New Smyrna Beach Board of Realtors. I enjoyed the Citizens Police Academy. Our police agency is amazing. I enjoyed a Volusia Economic meeting at the Daytona Beach Airport, where after the meeting, I had the privilege of talking to Senator Tom Wright, along with members from Rick Scott's office. I enjoyed speaking in a young political club in Bland. 
I enjoy doing a full shift with Officer Kevin Nugent from 8 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. We truly have one of the best police departments in America. I enjoyed attending Sons of the Beach meeting. I enjoyed a county council meeting with Councilwoman Gillis. I enjoyed a Volusia County hurricane mitigation meeting. I enjoyed another political meeting. I enjoyed riding with our refuse department all morning long on a full shift off the back of Mr. Matt Hopkins' waste route. Thank you for all that you guys do. That one. <laughs> I did. I enjoyed spending the afternoon with Mr. Smith of the Water Department driving around Edgewater and seeing what all he goes through on a daily basis. I enjoyed a youth council meeting and I enjoyed filming a small video about what we're up to on the city council and enjoying a great lunch with your homegirls group. They uh, did so much when the hurricanes came through here. They did a lot of hurricane relief for our community. We're blessed to have them as uh, members. I enjoyed the state of the county the Ocean Center, and I enjoyed a political meeting in Washington, D.C., where I met several delegates. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Councilwoman Bennington. Well, I've spent the last three weeks getting familiar with our hospital system. <laughs> in the hospital, from the inside out. <laughs> it's been quite of an experience, and I'm so glad to be back. They took good care of me, sort of. But I'm back now, and, and I'm, I'm glad to be here with, with all of you. So glad you're feeling better. Item 7, the consent agenda. All matters listed under the consent <clears throat> agenda are considered to be routine by the City Council and will be acted upon by one motion. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a discussion is desired by a member of Council. In which case, the mayor will remove that item from the consent agenda and the such item will be considered separately. We're not gonna, okay. I have nothing at this time. Well, I'll make a motion we uh, approve the consent agenda. Second. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePew? Yes. Public hearing, ordinances, and resolutions. Anyone wishing to speak on these agenda items, please approach the podium at the time of the matter is being before the council. State your name, address, and please limit your comments to three minutes or less. Item 8A, second reading, ordinance number 2023-0-13, Land Development Code, LDC, text amendments to Article 4, Resource Protection Standards. Ordinance number 2023-0-13, an ordinance of the City of Edgewater, Florida, amending Article 4, Resource Protection Standards of Chapter 21, Land Development Code, providing for conflicting <coughs> provisions, severability, and applicability, providing for an effective date adoption and codification. Staff report. Yes, sir. This is the second reading. There's no additional information. Staff stands ready to answer any questions. Thank you, sir. Open the public hearing. <coughs> Citizens' comments. No, sir. Bonnie, can you please turn up the microphone by chance? They're up as high as they can go. I mean, the volume okay. is... Sir, I see a couple seats in front if you would like to move up as well. Okay. Seeing no citizens' comments at this time, council comments. 
Seeing no council comments, I will close the public hearing. Make a motion to approve ordinance number 2023 <clears throat> 0 13. Second. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilman, Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePue? Yes. Item 9, board appointments. Item 9A, Volusia County Opioid Advisory Board member appointment. Council comments. I'm yes. understanding, am I understanding this is a new board? Yes. That they're just putting together? That's correct. Okay. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to butt in for you. No, I just didn't know if we had a staff report. Oh. There is a staff report. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Edgewater, along with a majority of other Volusia County governments, joined a class action lawsuit against several drug manufacturers over the dangers of opioid use and abuse. The suit was won and a monetary judgment was awarded. To oversee expenditures of this award, the judge made it mandatory each county establish a board. The board is required to meet and make recommendations to the county council on beneficial awards. The city of Edgewater should appoint a representative to this board to look out for the best interests of its citizens and use of the money. Chief Mahoney has agreed to the appointment if the council is so inclined to appoint him. This is a sunshine board, but not subject to dual office holdings, so the chief may serve. So the recommended action before you tonight is a motion to appoint Chief Mahoney to the Volusia County Opioid Advisory Board. Council comments. Well, I just think that's the greatest idea since we've had in a while. I agree. It's another job. I love the idea. Seeing no further council <clears throat> comments, citizens' comments at this time. Seeing no citizens' comments. I'll make a motion that we appoint Chief Mahoney to this opiate board. Second. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePue? Yes. Item 10, other business. Anyone wishing to speak on these agenda items, please approach the podium at the time the matter is being discussed before the council. State your name and address, and please limit your comments to three <coughs> minutes or less. Item 10A, agreement for the professional service, architectural and engineering from CPH, Inc. for the new city clerk office space and storage building. Staff report. Yes, sir. In order for staff to complete the site work for the new city clerk's office building, to include installation of the electric plumbing and HVAC, and before concrete is poured, engineering must first be provided in order for placement to be correct. Staff also needs architectural and engineer drawings for the interior layout, including measurements, recommendation of the materials for the secure public lobby, and exterior finishes to the building to ensure it complements the neighborhood. The city has a continuing contract with CPH, Inc., and they were asked for a quote to complete the necessary task, which is $55,000. A budget amendment will be necessary, and staff recommends funds come from the American Rescue Plan Act. So the recommended action before you tonight is a motion to approve an agreement with CPH, Inc. for professional services for the city clerk's office complex, including storage in the amount of $55,500, and authorize the city manager to execute the agreement. Thank you. Citizens' comments. Seeing no citizens' comments at this time, council comments. 
I don't know whether Bonnie really needs this out. I'm just throwing me out. <laughs> yes, I know. Does. I'm being yes, smart. she does. I'm being smart. I'm sorry. To my understanding. Oh, sorry. No, no. She really does need this. She really does because you walk in there and you can't hardly move. To my understanding, it is a portable building if we do decide to move our location of our city hall. Well, it's a steel structure, but it can be taken down as easily, easily as it can be put up. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I'll make a motion we approve the amendment to the... No, we're down to... Where are we? Okay, the amendment for the professional service for uh, Bonnie's new office. How's that? Is that good enough? Second. Roll call. Councilwoman Benning. <clears throat> yes. Councilwoman Dalbo. Yes. Councilman Powers. Yes. Mayor DePew. Yes. Item 10B, FP 2201. Jessica Marscotti requesting final plat approval for Edgewater Preserve Phase 1. Staff report. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> As mentioned, this is the final plat approval for Edgewater Preserve Phase 1. It's located west of Volco Road and south of Florida Shores. Uh, the proposed uh, use tonight is for 93 single-family lots to be platted. The subject property was annexed into the city in 2001 as part of the Edgewater Lakes development. This portion was to be known as Phase 2 and permitted 399 dwelling units. In 2004, the Edgewater Lakes PUD agreement was amended and omitted any and all development rights for Phase 2. The zoning designation is now the Edgewater Preserve RPUD and encompasses a total of 292.5 acres. The, this PUD agreement was approved by council in March of 2019 and allows a maximum of 774 dwelling units. This first phase tonight consists of 93 single-family lots on 46.38 acres. Final plat meets the requirements of the PUD agreement and the Land Development Code and your planning zoning board recommended approval, and you have recommend or you have in the audience tonight representatives for the developer. Thank you, Mr. Lear. Applicant presentation at this time. Uh, good evening, Joey Posey, 420 South Nova, attorney for the developer, and and I'll try to be quick uh, to walk through this. And you know, part of this is just to you know, really outline how we got here. And a lot of, you know, this is really the tail end of putting the lines to paper. So, you know, I know that's, you know, for these folks in the audience, I know that's important for them to understand where we are in the process. So, um, you know, moving on here, as Darren in indicated, March 2019, adopted, preliminary plat was approved by council. And consistent with that preliminary plat approval, we move forward with the uh, phase one development. And as you can see on the right there, uh, obvious site work is done. And consistent with that, we're pretty much moving forward with the final phase of this, which is platting it. It doesn't necessarily give us the final approval to do what we need to do, but uh, getting the lines of paper is important. Uh, something interesting to note, this is actually a reduction in that phase. It was originally allowed 102 units. So, you know, 93 units is, you know, coming in to be a little conservative, making sure that we capture all the open space, et cetera. Next, next slide. Um, the final flat, again, we submitted over a year ago. You know, these folks have been working diligently and trying to do everything possible uh, to make sure this is done the right way. Uh, it's a huge investment, obviously, uh, given all the site work that's involved. So the request here is for the preliminary, is for the final plat on the phase one. Uh, next one, again, a plat just for folks uh, that may not be familiar with this process. 
is just a representation of subdivision. It's nothing more than that. It's a division of land in three or more lots. So when you go and look up where potentially a home will be, that's the lot you're talking about. It's you know what the document that defines how the land subdivided. Next slide. Uh, consistent with the city's LDC, the requirement for a final plat has to conform to the preliminary plat, which was again reviewed by this board, uh, and that requirement's been met. The staff report is certified compliance with the LDC, all the requirements of the code. Uh, we have planning board recommendation, which is consistent with the city code, and those requirements have been met. Next slide. Uh, and again, uh, the code even specifies if it meets all the requirements, and you uh, there, there's the direction is to review and approve it. It's, you know, the administerial process to this, that you get far enough along in the zoning process that this is putting those lines to paper. And that's what that staff report recommendation and planning board recommendation are based on. Next slide. Um, and just to briefly touch on a few things, uh, your code talks about the plat drawing indicating that, you know, having a professional surveyor uh, certified to this. Uh, we actually have him in the audience, and I wanted to just briefly introduce him just for the record. Uh, who that in, who that gentleman is, just in case there's questions, or you know, make it easier to answer any of those questions. So, oh, you want to come up? So, and and as you know, he's putting his professional stamp to the paper. So obviously, he's certifying compliance. Uh, next slide. Uh, again, this is the section of your code that talks about the engineering aspects of the plat, and that the engineer also you have to have a professional engineer sign off on those drawings, and that his professional license is on that. Uh, the same is true of this, and that every improvement, you know, has been constructed and bonded. It's you're doing it the right way, and that's what these folks are trying to do by just getting this administerial process done. And again, introducing our engineer of record. He's back here somewhere, and over there, Cody Bogart. And again, the same, the same certification and stamp is on those plans too. Next slide. Uh, and again, just moving past this, it's it's just for folks who don't understand this. This is not creating new policy. It's, it's applying the code as it exists today. And you apply the rules as they're drafted in the LDC. So again, that's part of the case law that specifies that. Next slide. The same thing, uniform standards, everything, you know, they're all applied the same way. And that once the owner's done everything that's the laws required of them, then that's, this is the point where you, know, you do that formality of recording that plaque consistent with what those rules and criteria that you've outlined for them, which is what we've what we really have demonstrated, and that's what three years of work has gotten us to. So, and again, the same thing that it's a mysterious function, and you know, again, that's the basic case law that was outlining. And you know, for folks that are not familiar with this as much day to day as we are, that you know, this is good to be transparent about this. And then the last one is, again, ident almost identical. I probably I could even call it identical to the preliminary plat, except for you lost about nine nine lots. Uh, meets the requirements of the LDC. Chapter 177, all conditions for adoption have been met, staff and planning board recommendation of approval, and everybody from the development team is here to answer any questions you may have. The developer, you know, going from left to right there, you have the engineer, you have the, you have the surveyor, we're all available for questions. So, uh, we thought it was important to do this just because, you know, these are becoming, you know, more popular, these hearings with, uh, you know, this type of process and being transparent about that is what we're trying to do. So I'm available for questions, or if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. Thank you, sir. Citizens' comments at this time. Please approach the podium and state your name and address for the record. 
Hi, how are you? Good. My name is Michael Bang. I'm uh, 1465 Elizabeth Street. Could you speak in the microphone? In the Hello, microphone. Okay. Mike Bang, 1465 Elizabeth Street. And I guess my question with this is kind of concerning why some of us have come here tonight concerning the flooding issues we've had. And our concern is new development being built like almost the side, you know, up to our roof line. So, for example, the neighborhoods around this new development, I mean, probably doesn't impact me, but are they aware that of this new development? And I'm sure that the development around us probably went through the same procedures. Everything was okay. Everything looked great on paper. But all the development, you know, going on everywhere sort of makes us older neighborhoods in the low-lying areas the, you know, the, you know, basically a the drainage. Out. Yeah, we're the, we've become the drainage the ditch, right, right for the everybody bowl. else. So, for example, how did the, you know, have you alerted, you know, the, the homeowners around you that this new development could possibly create flooding issues? Would you like to answer that? Yeah, no, just, I mean, that'd be my concern. So, you know, I'm just thinking fast forward because I'm in an older development and there's a new development going on beside us, but, you know, the homeowners around there could be facing a similar issue that we just faced during this hurricane. You know, are there like retention ponds, drainage ditch, new canals, whatever. This is a big issue that I think all of us are facing, right? So I just wanted to lay that out there as a homeowner who's, and I guess we're going to discuss that later, the New um, Smyrna, the Elizabeth Street issues. Um, yes, sir. Okay. Um, at this time, if everyone's comfortable with it, I would actually just like to ask their stormwater plan, as I'm sure that's several of the citizens' concerns at this time. And I guess my question, too, is kind of cumulative. So, for example, say you've, you've checked all the boxes and everything looks good. How, 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 does, how does a cumulative effect, you know, like the Walmart, the this, the that, the this, the that, it all starts building up and eventually, whoa, you know, it, the cumulative you, effect sure. probably cannot be evaluated is my guess. That would be my thought. Thank you for, Thank your, you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Please hold your applause. And I guess I'll just address the question directly, and, and I'm going to lean on the engineer here a little bit, but I at least wanted to talk about the, the noticing part. I mean, obviously these things get noticed, but this is, has an interesting history, too, in that this has gone through three, I think three iterations of a PD, which uh, had ample involvement and ample discussion with neighborhood um, involvement around the area. Um, it, it did. It did. It did. And, I, and, again, it's one of those things where at the... From, Please hold your comments at this time. From the initial start, this has had, goodness, in the last five years, uh, you know, at least two different PDs that have been adopted for this property. Uh, it's gone through three years of design, especially on the stormwater side, and had a preliminary plat, which, again, is another hearing opportunity. And, you know, I can't necessarily speak to what was done for this meeting, but there has been a lot of involvement in the last just few years specifically with this property and what the future of this property is going to be. I'm going to lean on the engineer a little bit here to talk about the stormwater. I just, you know, caution in saying that, you know, putting lines to paper doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, that's the other separation. I just want to make sure that we understand here that when we're talking about the plat, of course, these folks are doing their job, but at the same time that, you know, the system itself has to be signed off and certified by engineers and that, you know, Cutting of lines isn't necessarily what's dictating that. It's it's their stormwater design that's dictating that. So um, I'm going to turn it over to the engineer. Thank you. 
Thanks, Joey. Uh, Cody Bogart here on behalf of the engineer record, Newkirk Engineering. Um, like Joey mentioned, we've gone through a three-year design process and permitting with the city of Edgewater, Lucia County, and St. John's River Water Management District for stormwater. Um, their, their basic and very upfront requirement is we are not allowed to discharge water off-site more than is right now, or, or as in, in the picture there. So we do have five retention ponds on site. Um, those are for attenuation of water, um, which is the quantity, and also the quality of water, which is the nitrogen phosphorus that pollute the, the Halifax River. Um, the benefit of new, new development versus the older development that is now existing is we're held to a very high standard of the stormwater requirements um, versus 50 years ago where we see a lot of the, a lot of the problems. So we live and we learn, and we have, and we have, have applied all those years of knowledge, um, and you know, we're up to all the standards and codes for the Land Development Code, Volusia County Requirement, and the St. John's Water Management District. Thank you. We'll continue with citizens' comments. Anybody else have a question? Seeing no further citizens' comments, we will open the council. My name is Maggie Drayton. I live at 1490 James Street. I'm just curious, like, are you following the code to, like, to the T, like, bare minimum of what's required, or are you going above and beyond anticipating future things? Because you're saying a lot of it's happened in the last 50 years, but our neighborhoods were affected by things that were built now with the new codes. So... How are you, what are you doing to like anticipate future issues like this? Does that make sense? Maybe. Yes, it does. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, and Cody Bogart, Newkirk Engineering. Um, go, going back to what we've learned is we've learned how to predict and how to um, see potential rain events and how it's going to affect the overall global system, not just where this project's being built, but north, south, east, and west, um, and as we go on further. And we're under design right now with phase two uh, to the west of phase one, which is also still part of the same stormwater ecosystem. So we're, we're building and we're making sure we're mitigating for any discharge of water that our site is designed to uh, impound and then discharge. Thank you. Joey Posey, 420 South Nova, just to add that, uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind, too, is that, you know, the difference between 10 years can be huge. And, you know, I know we talk about new development in a vacuum that, uh, you know, these folks are going through the, the latest and the most stringent requirements and that, you know, I know something may be new to somebody versus another project. And, and I can't necessarily speak to individual projects, but what I can tell you is that these folks have gone through three years of just review on the first phase. And that's, you know, that's an extensive review, especially given that, you know, on record, they, they can't discharge the water in, in, in a way that, you know, is based on the precondition here. You got to do better. So, you know, I know that it may not be the perfect answer for everybody, but, you know, given, given that, that's something to just keep in mind with, you know, what, you know, the requirements are harder. And, you know, 10 years, just in the last 10 years, things have changed dramatically. So just wanted to at least put that on the record, too. Thank you. Any further citizens' comments at this time? My name is Tom Kells, 
1421 Elizabeth Street, and I've been here since 1969, and we've never had as much water as we had this time. We had a subdivision that is built on Mission Road to stop. They were pumping water on Elizabeth Street. That's um, up for water management discussion on the next yeah, agenda item. Excuse me. That's on the next agenda item, sir. If you could wait till that moment for that subdivision. This is the one off of Alco Road. Yeah, well, I understand that, but still, if you could, this all plays a part. Well, sure, but that is on the next agenda item for that particular subdivision. You can only discuss what we're, we're the, directly what we're dealing with. Right well, I lost. Now. This I lost myself fifteen grand. I mean, more people here lost money. Well, Sir, I feel your pain. My mother and my grandmother lost both of their homes, my childhood home. I, I feel your pain. Just if you could just please wait till the next agenda item for that uh, subdivision. We can't hardly really hear what you guys are saying back there. Sir, we're trying. I'm shouting as large as I possibly can. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, that's why everybody's like, you can't hear, can't hear. You know, and if you can't hear, you can't know what's going on. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. Any further citizens' comments at this time about this flat? Seeing none at this time, we will open to council comments. At this point, I'd just like to reiterate what uh, Mr. Posey uh, stated. No, I'm sorry, we've, we've already closed our council comments. Your land development code provides that if the final plat meets all the requirements of the land development regulations and complies with the approved preliminary plat, the city council shall review and approve the final plat and indicates approval by the signature of the mayor on the Mylar copy of the plat to be recorded. City staff has reviewed the plat final plat application and has found it consistent with the preliminary plat, the comprehensive plan, the land development regulations, and the RPUD. Um, if there was to be a denial, the reasons for the denial have to be in writing, and they would need to be uh, valid uh, reasons based on an inconsistency with the preliminary plat, the comprehensive plan, or your LDC. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're ready. We're going to have council comments. Or? Yes, we're open to council comments at this time. I don't have any. I would just like to put a rumor to rest, sir. Um, there was a rumor that during this flood, there was pumps that were still actively flowing into the back of Florida shores, and um, some people do blame that uh, for the flooding. It's just a rumor. I have received several emails about that rumor, and I'd just like to put it to rest. Mike McQuarrie for Lenar, uh, Six Pine Valley Circle, Ormond Beach. Um, I've been, you know, constructing this project through the entire time, and at no time did we ever discharge water into Florida shores by any means. We kept all our water uh, contained within our site. Thank you. Sure. I'd be happy to answer any other questions. And I, I just want to point out for the record tonight, I know there's a lot of folks here for, for this final plat, for the next final plat. We dealt with the final plat at the last meeting as well. Um, what we're deciding here tonight is is not the development. What we're deciding tonight is does the plat plan match the development plan? That's all this is. It's not it's not approving the development. That decision was made for us by another council in 2019. So 
that's not what we're doing tonight. We're here really from an administrative standpoint. And all we're saying is, yep, this matches their original plan. They haven't that, that's, changed That's anything. what this is doing. Yeah, they haven't changed so anything. So. I just want to make it very clear what we're doing tonight and that we're not not listening. It's just we're at a point now where that decision was made before us. So, thank you. No further comments. I'll make it. I'll make a motion that we accept the final plat for Edgewater Preserve. A second. Phase one. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington. Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo. Yes. Councilman Powers. Yes. Mayor Depew. No. Item 10C, FP 2022-05, Old Mission Key, LLC, requesting final plot plan for Oak Leaf Preserve, Phase 3B. Staff report. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, this property, as mentioned, is the uh, final plat approval for Oak Leaf Preserve, Phase 3B, east of Old Mission Road, north of Massey Road, and south and east of Mission Oaks Mobile Home Condo. The area is 173.47 acres. Uh, this proposal is a 44-lot single-family uh, lots out of a total of 375 for the total project. Your future land use is low-density residential with conservation overlay and conservation, and your zoning district is RPUD. <clears throat> the PUD agreement for the proposed development was approved by City Council on June 4, 2018. PUD agreement permits the development of 375 single-family residential lots, which are planned to be 50 by 120 feet or greater in size. The final plat substantially meets the requirements of the agreement and land development code. The first phase plat was approved in May of 2020, and the second phase was approved in September of 2021. And your planning and zoning board recommend approval at their last meeting, and you do have representatives of the developer here tonight. Thank you, sir. Applicant presentation. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't want to slip and slide. Thank you. Yeah, I know you're going to kick. I'm going to push. <laughs> All right, I got you. I'll bring my rope next time. All right. For the record, my name is Glenn Storch. Uh, I represent the applicant in this case regarding the plat. And this is a plat recording, which is the request. That's all it is. So I didn't represent the applicant during the re uh, rezoning, but it, clearly the rezoning took place. Let's start with a couple of the, the concepts, because I understand there are a lot of people here from Elizabeth Street that are concerned. And I understand they're concerned. I also understand what the law is. So I've got to talk. So I've got to talk about that. How's that? Better? Yes. Okay. So this is uh, part of the Oak Leaf PUD community. And as we indicated, there's a number of lots that were approved as part of the Oak uh, Leaf PUD. That's the zoning itself that we're talking about. This is uh, uh, phase uh, 3B. This is the only plat for 3B. That's 44 lots uh, on this particular plat. The plat complies with all state and local regulations for an approved subdivision. The uh, city has indicated that already in their staff report. We meet all the requirements for approval of a, of a subdivision. The subdivision already exists. I mean, you've seen this. The subdivision exists. The only thing we're doing is approving the opportunity to record this plat. 
Next. I find this very interesting because if you look at what the approval requirements are, that's what you have to look at when you're looking at this. One, it's consistent with the Edgewater Comprehensive Plan. You have a comprehensive plan. You have law and requirements as to what you can have on this site. This, pursuant to the staff report, Please is... Please no comments at this time from citizens. This, pursuant to the staff report and the evidence, is consistent with the Edgewater Comprehensive Plan. Right, next. Two, it has to be consistent with the zoning. The zoning is the Oakleaf PUD. That's the one we just talked about. Uh, we reviewed this. Uh, the staff report and evidence indicates that the lots uh, created in the subdivision uh, and development standards as built are consistent with the requirements and development and, and the development agreement provided in the Oakleaf PUD. And in fact, um, we just received a certificate of completion for this as well, indicating that all the things we built were completed consistent with the standards for the city of Edgewater. Next. Um, it has to be consistent with the Florida statutes. Florida statutes indicate exactly what you're required to look at and what the city is required to look at in order to approve a plat that is able to be recorded in the public records. And so there is a large number of, yeah, you've got a copy of it. So there's a large number of sites, I mean, things that have to be done, 22 paragraphs of requirements. In the packet I just gave you, and I'm going to give this a, a copy of this to the court reporter to make sure she has it as well uh, as evidence. Uh, I'm also providing you a copy of the full statute that is now submitted into evidence. So I'd ask, first of all, I tender that the PowerPoint itself be tendered into evidence and the full statute uh, be tendered into evidence because we have met every single requirement in order to uh, get the approval of the plat consistent with the Florida statutes. And again, your staff has reviewed that to make sure we've done that. All right. Four, it has to be consistent with the Edgewater Land Development Code. All right, so in this particular case, staff, you also have additional requirements on the Land Development Code. You have to make sure that we have met all those requirements as well for the construction, for the preliminary plat that you have already approved, because this thing was built pursuant to a preliminary plat. And uh, again, your staff has indicated uh, we have met all of those requirements. Um, next, five, you also have to have uh, meet all the state and federal requirements, and that includes St. John's Water Management District. So you have to have a permit from St. John's Water Management District regarding stormwater and regarding the construction of stormwater, how that stormwater is supposed to be built, et cetera, and how, that is, and how it was built in this case. So those are all the things you have to show in order to get a plat that can then be recorded. And now I need to bring... Sir, please, no comments. Now I need to bring uh, Parker. Where is Parker? Oh, there he is. <laughs> um, I, I need to provide additional testimony. So, Parker, would you testify uh, your name and your uh, background and qualifications? Uh, Council, good evening. My name is Parker Minchenberg, 1729 Ridgewood Avenue. I'm a professional engineer and landscape architect. I've been a professional engineer for 40 years. And I've operated uh, Parker Minchenberg and Associates since 1984, lifelong resident of Volusia County. And just for the record, have you reviewed the, uh, the standards I just went through as far as the consistency of the comprehensive plan, consistency with the zoning, consistency with the land development code, consistency with the state statutes, and consistency with the state and uh, federal permits required? 
Uh, yes, I have. And that was nice. <laughs> I'll hold this one. And is it your testimony that uh, this uh, proposed plat meets every single one of those requirements? That's my professional opinion. Okay. And there is nothing that's missing from this plat? Not to my knowledge. Thank you. And uh, as, a, as an expert witness, uh, he's available for any questions that the council may have as well. So, all right. Let's go to the next one. So, as I say, it meets or exceeds all the requirements for the approval of the plat. That is the law. Therefore, if we meet the law, what happens? So, let's go to the next one. So, there was another one before that, I thought. Maybe not. Okay, go, never mind. You don't, no, you're right. Okay. So, the law is this. If you, in fact, have provided a situation where you have um, uh, provided, bent all the legal requirements, then all persons similarly situated should be able to obtain plat approval upon meeting of, of standard uniform standards. That's what these are. These are standard uniform standards. This is what the law is. You can't make up things or do it on a different basis when someone comes in and has a, pro, uh, a plat you don't like. See, otherwise, the official approval of a plat application would be depend upon the whim or caprice of the public body in, involved. That is against the law. And in fact, what that is is arbitrary and capricious. So you have to be very careful with that because it opens you up for potential issues. Uh, when statutes and ordinances have been complied with in making a plat or a subdivision, the act of approval by a village board, in this case a city commission or council, has been held to be ministerial, which means it's administrative. All you have to do is show that it meets the criteria, it's a check, and then you're allowed to, to say, yes, it can be recorded, you sign it, and that's it. Whereas in the case at Barr, the property owner has done all the law required of him to entitle his plat to be recorded. At that point, any discretion in the commission vanishes. So we have now established to you that uh, we have done all the law that's required in order to entitle this plat. You don't have discretion to deny this. You don't have discretion to vote no against it. Next. Uh, all, uh, similarly, all persons similarly, we just talked about this. Yeah, that's, that, that's another case that says the almost the exact same thing. The county's land development uh, regulations contain specific requirement for plat approval, as the city of Edgewater's uh, uh, development regulations do. The plat, the record before the commission established that the developer had complied with all of these requirements, so the approval was a ministerial function. In this case, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but your city has a checklist. It has a checklist that you have to go through and make sure you meet every single one of them. And if I don't get pass one of those things on the checklist, it doesn't get before you. We have to make sure that we have complied with every single uh, requirement in order to even get to you, to, in order to, to uh, be heard uh, on this when we're requesting a, uh, to be able to record the plat. Next. So, obviously these standards exist, and you heard how strong these standards are. They're ministerial, you have no discretion, because of the potential damages for significant uh, uh, are significant in the event a government acts arbitrarily or fails to follow the law. Because that's what happened. In this case, Im imagine, you have basically authorized this development. All right, you've authorized the development with the zoning. You went all the way through the zoning process. That was your opportunity to work out the deal. You've authorized it with the preliminary plat requirement. You've authorized 
this developer to come in and spend money, and a lot of money, to make this happen. Next. So in this case, the subdivision was built based on this agreement with the city. All roads have been constructed. All home sites have been constructed. The utilities are constructed with the loop required to increase water pressure throughout the city system. I, I believe that's correct. Um, Stormwater systems are installed. Property is already sold contingent upon final plat approval. Next. The owner has already paid the money to build the project, including all the impact and permit fees. I mean, you've paid a massive amount of money based on your agreement with the city. The infrastructure costs in this project alone exceed $10 million. That's what you're looking at. For a failure to record a plat may result in a default in the uh, $4 million construction loan, the $600,000 letter of credit, and the $25 million contract uh, with the buyer, as well as affecting the value of the remaining part of the city. That's what we're looking at as potential issues. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. When you let someone do this, when you let someone uh, put all the money into this, and then you say, and again, this has happened a couple times before in, in Florida history, but you, then you say, oh, no, we're not going to approve that plat. This is where you run the risk. Next. Uh, I think you skipped one, yes. Yeah, and, and again, and I, and, I, and I really do sympathize. Many folks in the community do, do not understand that delay in reviews or approvals of projects that meet all the legal standards result in significant costs, including but not limited to, in this case, over $40,000 a month in interest and significant uh, taxes in the event that the, uh, until the property is transferred. Next. So, even though it's not required, uh, I thought it was really important when I heard uh, a few people at the planning board say they had concerns because they lived on Elizabeth Street. I, some of you know me, some of you don't. I try to find solutions to problems. I think that's really important, even though it's not required. In this case, um, I think there was one before that. Is there one before that? No, I guess not. Okay. All right, so one of the things, uh, right, so apparently there's, I know there's a lot of neighbors that are concerned, neighbors from Elizabeth Street, and they object to the, the grant of the plat. Again, there's no basis for objecting to this plat. That's the problem. You can't take whatever uh, objections they are into consideration in looking at this because it's not part of the law. You have to follow the law in this case. Uh, the neighbor's objections to the entitled use of the plat that meets all standards for approval of plat for recording is not a legal standard for the ministerial review of the approval of plat. Now, the neighbor's homes, and I understand this is part of the problem, the neighbor's homes right now are within the 100-year flood zone. They have no stormwater treatment system, they have no road construction standards, and they have septic tanks. That's the problem. This project was built cons consistent with... Uh, with, Please, no comments. This system was built, this project was built with uh, consistent with all standards. And uh, Palmer, I mean, Parker, let's go ahead and testify to this. All right. My understanding is that the area along Elizabeth next to this project are, in fact, in the 100 year flood zone. Is that correct? That's correct. Most of the lots are. Okay. And those project do those uh, 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 homes have. Uh, Please hold comments. Do you know whether or not the homes have uh, stormwater treatment systems in any way, shape, or form? 
They were constructed before um, the requirements that are in vogue now were required, so no. So there's no stormwater capacity whatsoever? There's no inlets or drainage piping or retention ponds. Okay, and the road on Elizabeth Street, the road, the road on Elizabeth Street, how is that built? Is it built pursuant to current standards? Not to current standards, no. Okay, does it help to do anything regarding protect the, these properties from flooding? Um, I observed some of the... No comments. Some of, some of the roadways, um, there's um, some roadside swales that would help a little bit, but some lots have them, some don't. Okay. Now, uh, um, are, are they on septic tank? That's my understanding, yes. All right, thank you. No further questions. All right, next. So, this, and this is what I'm talking about. When I, when I heard that there was... Please, no comments. When I heard there was cons uh, issues regarding this uh, plat, and again, it's a plat, not a zoning, it's a plat. I, I thought it was important. I, I met with the, uh, some of the residents after the planning board hearing when I talked to them. Uh, they were asking for things I thought were fairly reasonable. I could work with them on. I, I tried to go out and work with them. Uh, I reached out to neighbors after the planning board hearing. Then I reached, uh, called for, asked for a meeting with the neighbors on February 9th. I discussed options for locations on February 15th. I followed up on February 16th. I went to the neighborhood and met with Annalie Jail Dagan and her husband on site on February 22nd to review the options. I confirmed with my client a willingness to help to, uh, based on what we were talking about. And then unfortunately I received a copy of a letter sent to the mayor on March 1st that, that did two things, and it, this is really bad. One, it misrepresented the project impact on the wetlands. It suggested that 170 acres of wetlands were destroyed when in fact, and this is important, in fact, almost every single bit of wetlands, every single acre of wetlands was preserved. The only section of wetlands that, that had to be disturbed and then mitigated for were areas of crossings. That's it. The whole thing was designed around protecting those wetlands and they did that. And then also suggesting that the owner and the city had commission had engaged in some kind of criminal acts because of funding of the government officials. So I, I, it irritated me, as you can imagine. Um, a, my client didn't give any money to anybody here, as you know. Uh, and so, and two, again, I just talked about the wetlands. Not a single thing, not a, uh, uh, the, the wetlands are, for the most part, totally intact. Now, I got to tell you. I, I thought Annalie and her husband were some of the nicest people I've ever met. I, have, uh, I've, I, I knew Annalie when she was a kid, so I thought I could deal with her and, and talk to her. Uh, I thought they were just wonderful people. I mean, they were in the process of fostering puppies. I mean, how much nicer can you get? So um, I, I don't believe this was malicious. I'm hoping this was not malicious on their part. I hope they understand now that what they said is incorrect. But it's, it's one of the things I try to do is just as far as reaching out. I tried everything I could to get a meeting with the uh, entire neighborhood. Could not do it. Please, no comments. Citizens' comments will no, be up after this. No, there was no letters. I, I did this all through Anna Lee, and I was told I, uh, that, that it wasn't happening. So, so anyway, next. So let's talk about the, the, where we are then. So there's a couple of advantages to the city that you should be, be aware of. One, the failure to approve a plat for recording result in the creation of a worthless, already built parcel. This thing is already built. 
everything is there, the roads are there, the, the fill is there, nothing's going to change if you deny this. No comments, please. Nothing is going to change other than the fact that you're going to own a worthless piece of property uh, because it can't, it can't be built on. And of course, it also reduces the value for the rest of Oak Leaf, as you can imagine. So Oak Leaf at, bu at build out would be valued at about $125 million for ad valorem tax purposes. That is a huge chunk of change for the city coffers. Secondly, uh, Oak Leaf will provide needed single-family housing for community designed and built to provide stormwater protection. One of the interesting things about um, Anna Lee's letter to the mayor was that she said, you know, she saw this area. None of this had any issues with, her, with at all with flooding. Well, that's because it's designed properly. It's designed properly. It has stormwater. It has uh, it has drainage uh, properly done. But they had about six inches of water in their yard. Okay. Again, they're in a hundred-year floodplain. My house is not in a hundred-year floodplain. I had five feet of water in my uh, flooding, and I had eighteen inches in my house. So, and and I have people ask, "Well, what subdivision were you next to?" And I have to say, "No, I'm in the middle of the woods." And then somebody says, "Well, why did you flood?" And I have to say, "It's because we had a five hundred to a thousand-year storm." These things happen, and uh, you know, as the mayor's indicated, you know, it wasn't because of some somebody pumping water somewhere. It was because of the fact that we had a difficult time. We had the we had the perfect storm. We had it right through the trough. At the same time, you had king tides. You had all these things happening at the same time that causes flooding. But you can't just blame someone without proof. And those are things we need to deal with. If there was an issue that caused damages and they can prove it was somebody's fault, great. But you can't deny a plat that meets all the criteria because you think that, that during a 1,000 or 500 year, 1,000 year flood, you got some water in your yard. Sorry. Next. No comments. Last warning. Uh, and, and by the way, I spent five months rebuilding my first floor. So I know what they're going through. I know how hard this is for them. No comments. No, my house was four feet off the ground. <laughs> so, uh, although the zoning agreement is not an issue, it should be noted there are a number of provisions in the PUD agreement that created a better community, such as the fact that all utilities are required to be underground, all infrastructure is paid by the developer, and tied into a central system rather than septic tanks. That's not something that the city of Edgewater wanted. And it's designed around the preservation of the wetlands on the site. Next. So, uh, again, this is a conclusion. This is a request for an approval of a plat for recording. That's all it is. Everything else is already built. Everything else is already approved. This just allows us to approve the recording of the plat pursuant to law. Staff recommendations of approval consistent with the comprehensive plan, zoning, all state permits, and land development codes. The expert witnesses indicate that we've met all uh, comprehensive plan zoning, all state permits, and land development codes. You have a unanimous planning board recommendation of approval uh, recommending this as well. Uh, all the evidence shows that the plat meets or exceeds all state and local standards for subdivision plat recording, and the approval is ministerial based on consistency with the comprehensive plan zoning and land development code. And me and my team are available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Storch. At this time, citizens' comments. Please state your name and address into the record.
I am Anna Lee Jeldagian of 1756 Elizabeth Street. If you look at my display, I did not know we could do PowerPoint, so I have a little poster board. Uh, if you look at my display, we'll begin with the topographic information from Oakleaf Preserve from 2018 on the top left. This shows the pre-developed condition that was relatively flat with significant depressional storage on the oak leaf parcel, which is listed in yellow. So yes, it was wetlands. Post-developed conditions showed or show that by filling the oak leaf preserve property, the development appears to be disturbed or to, sorry, I'm nervous. The development appears right. to have disturbed the flow pattern shown above and eliminated the depressional storage for any runoff leaving Elizabeth Street properties as it has historically been able to flow so. Show me how my runoff is going to get where your storage is. Being hydraulically connected, how is this going to affect my community and neighborhood? Here's an example of the pre-development and post-development basin map in the middle and on the bottom on the left side. Uh, where the pre-development basin map depicting that oak leaf property drains to the wet W pre or depressional wetland with no off-site discharge to the Elizabeth Street properties. When the post-development basin is not consistent with the constructed condition by not including the six-foot berm that is around the development, so that map that's provided is incorrect. And the picture shown in the three-to-one slope is going directly into my backyard and neighbors on Elizabeth Street. The bottom of the slope appears to be at my property line with no provisions for mitigating runoff volumes. This six-foot tall berm appears to be 17,650 square feet, or just under half an acre, that is discharging directly to Elizabeth Street properties. A 100-year, 24-hour storm event with a rainfall depth of 10.6 inches over the 17,650 square feet area could generate over 15,000 500 cubic feet of runoff directly onto our street. In reference to the surface water law and the DOT 2023 drainage manual, Appendix A, page 92, can you please explain why there is no drainage proposed for almost half an acre of a berm going directly into our backyards of my surrounding neighbors? Show me where the runoff from the berm you created is going to go. Where is the required drainage? So my answer to your question, Glenn Storch, is no, our neighborhood is not interested in a swale that comes onto our property. We do not cause the problem, we did not cause the problem, so you should be expected to fix it. So my question is... Please, no applause, no applause. So my question is, what are you going to do to fix the mess they made? Present me with a list of solutions and tell me why it would work, but no option will ever include the loss of my property or my neighbors. It is our civic duty to protect the community we wouldn't be here adding time onto your meetings if this wasn't appropriately handled in the first place. I believe Oakleaf Preserve has not complied to the terms in the agreement Thank of the you, PUD, and I feel that they should be held accountable. Thank you. Cannot do so. Three minutes. I have one more lauded. sentence. I'm here to stand up for my house and my neighborhood, and I will continue to show up until this is resolved. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Please, no applause at this time. Please, no applause. Hi, my name is Jeremy Oranji, 1718 Elizabeth Street. I talked to you here before you became mayor. You sat behind me after Ian. I am also a building contractor, second generation. So I'm not, I've been around this stuff my whole life. My dad was a custom home builder. I also hold a license in California, in the state of California. I have fixed drainage issues that 
are like this or similar or worse on commercial properties that were apartment complexes. I knew this was going to happen when they started it. I talked to them. I talked to the city. Kept getting the runaround. And everybody says, well, if you came to the meetings, we could fix this. But I did come to all the meetings. I came, I've came to the last three. I wasn't at the very first ones. But you know what? This has been going on. And I just realized that you guys are planning to develop all the way down to Josephine. So you're planning to take out more woods, make more height, and make more problems. This I want to address right now, too, because this is going to cause a problem. I have pictures here, pre-flood pictures, and I just want you to think. I just want all you people on the board here to stop and look at me. I'm five foot ten, okay? Five foot ten, maybe five foot eleven. Behind my house is six foot. I have a six foot fence. Ten feet from that fence, it is six foot tall, and it's a straight slant. And there's no drainage. There's no. Obviously, we all built sandcastles at the beach, right? You ever build a sandcastle? If you have a flat spot, you pour water in, it all goes flat, right? If you make a moat, guess what? The other stuff fills up. Engineers, I, I've been around engineers. Engineers make mistakes, okay? And they, they also have liability insurance that cover them for themselves for that. So this happens all the time. I was like, oh, yeah. Here's, a, here's a, what we're dealing with here. A big, giant corporation, lots of money, hundreds of millions of dollars. People like us, we're not rich, okay? But you guys have a say. And you should put a temporary moratorium on this until this gets settled. And I'm not against them. Let them build. Do what you want. But fix it. Fix the problem. I, you, yeah, we're not going to stop your whole development. But bring in some experts. Not your experts. Bring in state experts. Bring in different people. Put in a drainage system lower than our property. Make It's super simple. Everybody knows how water works. Water goes downhill, right? Right? Everybody? Can we all agree? Because I... I've been around this my whole life. I fix roofs. I do all kinds of stuff. So I know what this stuff does. I knew this can happen. I'm fortunate because you know what? I knew this was going to happen. And I like to show you these pictures. And you guys can all look at them. This is two weeks before Ian. That is water in the back of the property. I have a timestamp <coughs> on my phone. So I, have, I know when this happened. I can prove it. So here we go. Six feet. What are you going to do? I mean, you guys have the power to fix this. You have the power to say, we'll let you build, but guess what? You're going to spend a million dollars on drainage. So if it's $150 million, that's nothing, right? Thank you, sir. And Am I right? Is that nothing? Thank you, sir. Please, no applause. Can I ask you one question? Hello. This is Mike. To show. There's water in the back. There's water right here. Oh, that's water. on the back. Okay. Two weeks. All right. Okay. Hi, Mike Fang, 1465 Elizabeth Street. I guess first of all, this is this is my. I've lived in countries that had dictators, and I think that this is really a neat experience for me because it really shows what's great about the United States is that we all can discuss. We have different sides. We don't have a, a dictator telling us what we can and cannot do. So on the on the one hand, this entire process is a big plus and kind of a a neat moment for me to experience, so I really value it. Um, um, I guess I just wanted to mention one thing. I mean, if I was going to do a low blow, which I can't resist the humor, the little, oh, sorry. If I was going to do a low blow, but I can't resist, it's humor. But, you know, showing the little shanty kind of pictures, it's like, come on, what do you got against poor people? Kind of a joke. 
But the other thing is the analogy is not correct. I just wanted to point that out for the sake of logic. To say that um, the new development complies with all these new laws, and perhaps it does, and that some of the older neighborhoods don't, they don't have runoff, or they, they're septic, they're old, that analogy is not right, because it's akin to saying back when, let's say, when the automobile first came out, and you say, well, you had an old car that only went 35 miles an hour, and now we're building these legal cars that go 150, and well, we're flying down the road, and your cars are just not up to our new standard. And it's like, well, hello. We should be allowed to drive our old cars, just like we should be allowed to live in our old homes, right? So the analogy is flawed. I just wanted to point that out, that, that the old and the new doesn't, it sounds logical, it sounds plausible, and it complies with the new laws, I'm sure, but the analogy is simply not credible. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Please, no applause. Um, my name is Cindy Trezona. I live at 1290 James. And my home looked nothing like the representation of this gentleman's um, presentation. It's, it's a, a very nice home, and I've spent a lot of money on it. And what I take from this meeting tonight is that the, you're, you're wanting to approve the plats, and that's a simple process, and there's no stopping it. We're dealing with something, an, a neighborhood or a, a development that was approved in 2018, the developer has spent a ton of money on it and has built it out, and the city of Edgewater is expecting some big taxes from those homes. Okay, all good. But now we're seeing the negative effects before, with just the infrastructure in there. It's not even the people living there. And although it's too late to stop this, what is your responsibility to us having seen what has happened because of this development. I understand there's no way to stop this thing, but what is your responsibility to us to fix the problem? Because there is some responsibility of your city, of our city, to the people who were already living there when changes were made. You can't just build a giant, uh, neighborhood and flood out the people who have lived here and paid taxes all these years and not expect us to fight back. Liability, class action is what I'm saying. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Please no pause. Please hold your pause. Hello, my name is Michael Ferrand. I'm 1512 Tatum Boulevard, Beach. Um, Obviously, there's a problem here. We all got flooded. I think the most important thing this gentleman said was, when there's a problem, we look for a solution. So I think on a positive note, we should all put our, our resources together and come up with a solution to this problem. Obviously, there's a problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't all be here. Fair enough? Thank you, sir. Good evening. My name is Steve Vite. I'm at 1778 Elizabeth Street, and the wall is behind my house, and it is six feet high. And I have neighbors that have been there for 44 years that said they have not had flooding like this. And this may be a once-in-500-year storm, but still, the amount of runoff was unbelievable. It looked like a river throwing, flowing through our street. We don't want his properties to be not built 
but we want ours to be made right. We want drainage. I don't know if there's been a, a FEMA in the Army Corps of Engineers uh, assessment, and if there it has been, we would like to be able to see that. And thank you for your time. You, you want you want this stuff to fix your your area. Yeah, and I I understand that. I understand completely with what you're saying. But are you willing to pay for it? Well, yeah, please we no didn't comments. have the... no, Please just, no comments. I just ask a simple question to his to what he asked. Are you willing to pay a fair share to it? You uh, want us? Please to no comments. I will. The whole city to bear the cost of fixing what? You no, I don't think that the wrong. city should pay. Please no comments. Excuse me, I got it. I got it. The the city shouldn't pay. Okay. The developers should pay and make it right. We can all live together, but their property cannot run off and flood other people's okay. property. He may be higher than us, you uh, know, you but... my question. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, he may be higher than us, and he may have a better house, but... No, it doesn't make a difference. That's, I agree 100%, but not everybody does. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Any further... Um, Robert DiGorio, 1756 Elizabeth Street. Um, I don't think anybody here is trying to stop this from happening, just so everybody's clear on that. Um, as Annalee was saying earlier, the Oakley Preserve uh, grading now directly discharges new runoff on Elizabeth Street properties. The construction conditions make no provisions for interception or conveyance of direct discharge off-site. These changes uh, to local flow patterns may cause increased flood stages and volumes due to the loss of historical depressional storage for Elizabeth Street properties and the new direction discharge onto the area. Um, we have that board up here, but uh, Oakleaf Preserves PUD Plan Section 9, Number 4, 100-year flood elevation for the site is 6.3 feet. Minimum finished floor elevation shall be 12 inches above the 100-year elevation. Revision 1 shows projected homes in Oakleaf Preserve at 8 feet above sea level. Then Revision 10 shows now they're 12, 12 feet above sea level. My home's at 6. Um, revision 1 showed that it would only be a 2-foot difference between us and them. Why was it ever approved to build at 12 feet above sea level? It's almost double the minimum requirement listed on the PUD. The impact to the 100-year flood plan elevation limit should be reevaluated. I don't have an engineering degree, but it's not rocket science to see what went wrong. Look at the pictures of my own home pre-development and post-development. Um, you know, I just, I just think something needs to be fixed, and I don't think it should be on you guys at all. And at no point should anything come onto my property or anybody else's property because of something that went wrong over here. And I know that everybody keeps saying it's six foot, but it's very daunting to walk back there and literally see. Uh, but if I'm sitting in a chair, I can't see above it. And, yeah, Glenn did show up at her house, and he did say, hey, how about we put this whale? It doesn't have to be everybody. It can be just different people. So if I did it and my three neighbors didn't do it, now I have a ditch just to collect water in my backyard. Where's it supposed to go? If they do that, that's Edgewater. I'm New Smyrna. Who's going to fix it if something happens? I'm going to pay for it. There's nowhere for the water to go. It would just sit. So I think it was a very futile and ridiculous thing to, to request of anybody to do. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Please, no applause. Melanie Aranji, 1718 Elizabeth Street. At the Planning and Zoning Board meeting on February the 8th, residents concerned about water runoff from Oakleaf Preserve Development were told not to worry because this project was designed by professionals 
by engineers who have their licenses on the line. I don't believe that anyone would intentionally cause an engineering failure. However, they do occur. Famous failures, Titanic, Chernobyl, Challenger, New Orleans levees, Deepwater Horizon oil rig, Florida International University Bridge. Why do civil engineers need professional liability insurance from the website? Because of the nature of their work, they have multiple opportunities to make an error or omission while working on a project. We will not accept the false assurance when we see evidence to the contrary. Phase three of Oakleaf Preserve needs to be stalled. The city of Edgewater needs to make the developer engineer adequate drainage that does not cause a disruption in the flow of stormwater since our properties are hydraulically connected. According to the News Journal, the city of New Smyrna Beach had a six-month moratorium on new development, hiring engineering firm Jones, Edmonds, and Associates Incorporate to analyze flood and review the city's stormwater regulations. What is Edgewater doing in this regard? Also, question, during the storm, trash pumps were running behind Elizabeth Street, pumping water down into the overflowed canals. Um, these pumps were placed by the St. John's River Water Management District Board legally, but um, why would a development that's 12 feet above flood zone and have no homes flooded need to discharge their stormwater. Thank you. Please, no applause. But I do know this much. Could you please state your name and Excuse me? address oh, into the Tom record, Kelly, please, sir? Thank you. 1421 Elizabeth Street. Well, you know, my wife was out in the water and she broke her knee or something was there. Yeah, she's just now getting back on her feet. You know, that water has never been that way in the last 40 years. They could say a 40 or 100 or 20, whatever. They, they have a problem with global warming. I don't have a problem with global warming. I know who controls the weather. And, you know, you guys, I know you have a job to do. I hope you guys do the right job. Make these people fix their mistakes so we won't have this again. You know, thank you. Thank you. I'm speaking on behalf for Marsha Harris. Good evening, uh, good evening, Edgewater Council. My name is Marsha Harris of 1708 Elizabeth Street, New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I have lived in my residence for about three decades and have seen a lot of changes over the past years, which are expected to, for growth and the livelihood of the city. One of the many reasons why I chose this town and my residence is because of how quaint and beautiful it was. And for my residence, it was at a dead-end dirt road surrounded by an abundance of nature and would be a wonderful place for my children and grandchildren to grow up. Now, as my kids are adults and they have kids of their own when they come to visit me, they are truly in shock at the state of property beyond my backyard. This is something they grew up playing in, and now it's just an eyesore of new construction right at my back door. I can't even keep my umbrella out, uh, sorry, I can't even keep my umbrella up out back because of the wind, heat, and the cold coming across from the now docile land behind me. They could have left some natural woods to be a buffer for our properties and incorporated some kind of infrastructure to take care of the drainage that is now draining onto our properties and the flood area now that we have with extreme weather conditions, but no, 
it seems as nobody cares that our properties are now the ditch. We all know this is, or we all know this and it's not okay. This is not how things should work with an established community just because you want to go, you want to profit off luring new patrons into our community, but money talks. It's absolutely shameful that the city wasn't paying attention to this. Prior to this construction, me and my neighbor's lands had never flooded like that, and yes, the last two hurricanes were torrential, but the woods were a natural sieve and now is gone, and nothing was put into place to save our properties when the new construction sitting so high above us. So many neighbors are having to start over and rebuild because of recent events, and the added effects of this in the subdivision right behind us is an unnecessary stress we already have to deal with with Florida weather, and there should be protocols and city requirements met by this new construction. We, the people of Elizabeth Street, need the council to right these wrongs. It will still be a write-off, and they and you will still make your money. I'm requesting they give us a sound infrastructure for drainage and not a ditch on our property. Also requesting two rows of offset trees for ec ecological buffer reasons and not, and not palm trees because they do not give as much oxygen. We, as a community, are just wanting these deplorable actions corrected so. Please take your authority into your own hands and help the little people. Thank you for your time, Marcia Harris. Thank you. Thank you. Marcia Joe Harris, 1708 Elizabeth Street. Appreciate. How you all doing? My name is Tim Schaefer. I live on uh, 1459 Elizabeth Street. Me and my wife lived there for 15 years. We've been through several hurricanes. As a matter of fact, Maria rained for days on end. It rained, it flooded my yard, it flooded my driveway. And I'm talking flood, I'm talking like this much water for days and days of rain. He said he got six inches of water in his house. Well, so didn't I. But my house is two foot off the ground. So I don't know how you would compare that. Thank you. Sir, you've already spoken about this agenda item. There will be citizens' comments at the I'm end. I'm sorry? What? You've already spoken about this agenda item one time. There will be citizens' comments at the end. Citizen, okay, Thank should you, I sir. wait? Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Chuck Martin, 205, Trayward Lane, Edgewater. My dad moved us to 1400 James Street in 1968. Um, know the area, Elizabeth, very well. Um, we've had some hurricanes come through. I grew up in a little blue house with a brick out front, and it would flood. Elizabeth has always been lower than James. Um, th this might be a solution to help everybody out. Uh, number one, um, the residents of Elizabeth Street and James Street, they need to be at the county council meetings and, and get their butts out there to dig some ditches and make some retention ponds. Uh, it, okay? That water needs to go to the Mission Road ditch. I used to walk them and swim as a little boy down at Sugar Mill Campground. There's a canal on Sugar Mill Campground that goes back in Turnwell Bay that probably hadn't been cleaned out in 40 years. I used to take a canoe all the way out to Turnwell Bay and I'd go to Spruce Creek all that water on Elizabeth Street needs to go to the, it needs to run west and get through them woods and get in that Mission Road ditch so that water can get out of there, okay? As far as James Street, 
that dumps into Massey Road Canal and Tatum, and that goes out 10th Street. Um, Y'all need to get on the county's ass, okay, and get them out there doing their jobs, dig their ponds, clean their ditches out, have them cut some ditches through to Mission Road. I don't know if Oak Leaf Preserve can help with that or if they have any properties that they'd be willing to, to put a pipe in from the back of Elizabeth Street, but I, I, think a, I think a swell on the back side of Elizabeth Street is a damn good idea, but they got to get that water out of there. That water's got to go to Mission Road Ditch. Go right now, and that ditch is almost dry, okay? So I think that would, that would help out a bunch, um, but um, y'all need to go to county council meetings and get on their ass and get them out there and to give you all some help. They've been slacking for far too long out there. And, um, I mean, you know, we, we have a, a whole new council up here. And, and uh, from, from going forward for what they can make recommendations on, and they've already done it, you can believe they're going to stand up for the citizens. But what's already done here is done. How do y'all, how do we go forward? You know, I had, uh, and, and honest, it, but what I'm saying is, what Those I'm saying is, comments, please. get please, please get to no the, comments. get to the county and get them involved and, and they can get some help as well to get that water from Elizabeth Street to Mission Road and get that water out of there. That's, that's no what I'm comments, trying to say. Please. Thank you, sir. That's 1371 Elizabeth Street. It just came off the river. I look a little expensive. Uh, my only thought is that uh, I have trouble believing as... Uh, Would you mind just speaking into the microphone? Oh. A little bit of raises. Okay. I have a little trouble believing as Mrs. Storch says that you guys' whole job is you just a rubber stamp for the construction people at this point. Um, I can't help but believe that the reason we have these meetings and the reason we have these checkoff points is to catch a problem before it's irreversible. This is not yet an irreversible problem. And I think that uh, you guys weren't put here to be a rubber stamp. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any further citizens' comments at this time? Good evening. Uh, my name is Paul DeVivero. I live on 129 Flamingo Road. Um, retired professional surveyor. Uh, one thing that you need to note about um, this plat is not in conformance with the preliminary plat because there's a tract around the entire north, east, and south side of this property. It was previously labeled as common area, utility easement, and drainage easement. The new plat removes that word drainage. And not, not that this would drain anywhere, because it, it obviously just drains to <coughs> East. Um, so that's uh, one other thing I would notice on this is <clears throat> all these properties, all the roads, all the drainage system, all the sewer system is all private. So once you sign your name <clears throat> on this plat, it'll be dedicated to a homeowner association. The developer leaves town, the city has no responsibility after that. You need to take care of this before you sign that plat. Thank you, sir. Please, no applause. Any further citizens' comments at this time? Mr. Dillon, 
Man, you've already spoke one time about this plot. We will have citizens' comments at the end of the meeting. Uh, I don't think she Actually was for did. this one. Oh. On, the yeah. on the previous one. I'm just here. I'll be really quick. Maggie Drayton, live at 1490 James Street, just here to show my support for Elizabeth Street <clears throat> residents. And also, I had about three and a half feet in my backyard on James Street, one street over from the drainage from Elizabeth. So this problem does expand beyond that neighborhood as well. And I think that the problem will continue to occur. So the solutions that were not mentioned in the presentation, um, he said he wants solutions, the developers want solutions, but many of the residents spoke of like, what are those solutions? Can they please be put on paper so we can start this discussion? And you're not dealing with this vacant development, but that there's actually some things put in place for proper drainage and management of your communities that have been paying taxes, that have been showing up consistently and have been here for years and years and years. So please, please consider what these people have said this evening. It's really important for the city. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. And I do apologize for that mistake. Any further citizens' comments at this time? Seeing none, we will move to council comments. I think the applicant wants to close. Yeah. Sure. So sorry, yes. All right. Um, first of all, yep, again, for the record, my name is Glenn Storch. Uh, this is Parker Mitchenberg. The issue today is whether or not we meet the criteria for the plat and the recording of the plat. We haven't heard anything from any of the comments that we do not meet those criteria. We've heard anecdotal evidence that there has been flooding that's caused uh, during the hurricane, that there was flooding, and they... And they Please, and, no comments. And before the hurricane... And Please, I, no comments. Last and, warning. And again, I understand that because before the hurricane, my lake was uh, above my, my dock. So I understand there was a lot of water that day or that, that, time of, uh, that time of year. But bottom line is, at this point, you've got one issue, whether or not we have met the criteria. And don't forget, part of that criteria is that we're not allowed to uh, provide any additional stormwater off of this site. The same, am I correct, Parker? Parker, go ahead. Yeah, there, there's been a lot of allegations and um, issues related to my insurance and that something wrong was done here. Just want to spend a, a second to talk about, you know, I'm a professional engineer. I have four professional engineers that work for me. Um, we've designed tens of thousands of lots in Volusia Flagler County. And um, I like to think I have a pretty good reputation. Um, a lot of commercial projects you guys are aware of. Um, I designed all the uh, um, car dealership to the auto mall, Bucky's. Um, I did the Tanger Outlet Mall and all the infrastructure. We're pretty good at this. So I think... Please, no comments. I think that in addition to the fact that I have my um, professional license on the line, you also, in this particular project, have other professional engineers that are charged with reviewing uh, my firm's work. Uh, one is your uh, city engineer who reviewed the calculations and the design. Another is Volusia County. We did major turn lanes at Mission Road, and they have drainage engineers that reviewed our design. 
And then we have the St. John's River Water Management District, the state agency that's responsible for reviewing um, drainage designs and to make sure that we're not flooding basically the people next to us. So there's comments about the slope of the rear yards and they're correct, that slope does flow toward them, but the rest of the lot that in the pre-developed condition used to flow toward them now flows to the central retention pond. Please, no comments, no comments. Final warning, no comments. Throw that man out. We also, we also. No comments. We're required to where we crossed the existing conveyances, and there were two of them that had channels that went to the Moody Canal. The gentleman that spoke last, he's correct. The ultimate outfall from the wetland of the site is to the Moody Canal. And during the um, Hurricane Ian and the second hurricane, basically we had a, a strong east wind. Please, no comments. It's application, no comments. Yes, so a lot, a lot of... No comments. No, sir. They are the applicants, sir. They have full right to do this. Get him out of here. No comments, sir. Please, you're out of line. Please simmer down. Final warning. So um, maybe to conclude, there was um, flooding that came back in from the intercoastal through the Moody Canal. We had, um, I live on the river, we had super high tides behind my house, not just for one or two days, but five or six days. So that exa exacerbated the flooding. So kind of in conclusion, um, we have to meet a number of criteria, and the biggest one is to ensure that we're not flooding uh, adjacent property owners. So last statement, I'll give it back to Mr. Storch. We have requirements. This is a um, outstanding Florida water discharge. So we had a 50% additional stormwater requirement uh, that we met. In addition to that, we provided approximately 90% more lake volume than what's required. So I stand behind the design. Thank you. And again, this is not, uh, a, no additional stormwater is going off this site onto the Elizabeth home lots. Is that correct? No additional. That's correct. All right. So. No comments. No comments. So, and, and again, as, as far as the requirement for the plat, I just need to also add the certificate completion that has been granted. This certificate is issued pursuant to the requirements of the city of Edgewater, certifying that at the time of the construction, this infrastructure was in compliance with all the various codes regulating building and construction and use. And that was issued to this project by the city. Now, that's the plat. Again, obviously these people are concerned. There's a number of reasons why they're concerned. And I, I, I thought, um, um, <laughs> Chuck, thank you. I thought Chuck hit the nail on the head because really this is, they're in the county. They're not in the city. Uh, and the county needs to do a number of things. The county has not maintained the, the stormwater area out there, even the ditches. The county has a number of areas where they blocked uh, areas. These need to be dealt with. They have no stormwater systems whatsoever. It's one of the reasons why the land was fairly inexpensive. But what you can do, and what I've done in the past, is I have worked with people to create a special tax taxing district to help create these areas, this, these stormwater areas. And at the same time, we can, in fact, 
we have no problem with working with them. I, I was trying to go down there to work with them. And no ask, comment, second warning. And asking what I could do to find solutions, if I could. Again, I, I'm not an engineer. I'm just suggest, I was just listening to what some of the, somebody else had suggested. But the, but the bottom line is that if you're looking at, and I've found out about the blocked uh, drainage in the, uh, since that time, but if you're looking at doing things, yes, we'd be willing to help with that. It has nothing to do, again, with the plat itself. The plat should and must be approved. But as far as being able to work together, because we're going to be neighbors, and this is not, this is not the last plat that we're going to be coming to you with. Uh, uh, Oak Leaf will continue to, to finish up. So we will come back before you and we will work with you. We want to be good neighbors, and we want to help solve their problems, but the problems are not caused by us. It is not caused by this development in any way, shape, or form. There was no evidence of that, and Palmer has, uh, Parker has indicated to you uh, as an expert witness that that was not the thing. We have not caused any additional stormwater uh, flow onto their lots. So if we can find a solution, we'll help with that. I, I want that to happen. But at the same time, the plat has to be approved, and uh, then we can start working together. Thank you. Thank you. Council comments. <clears throat> Let me just reiterate that, uh, again, according to your land development code, if the final plat meets all the requirements of the land development regulations and complies with the approved preliminary plat and is consistent with the comprehensive plan uh, and the state statutes, then you shall, according to the land development code, approve the plat. So it's not. It's a mat, It's a matter of determining whether the final plat meets all of the requirements. If it does, then it shall be approved. And your decision should be based on substantial, competent evidence <coughs> in the record. Once the applicant meets their burden, the, the burden then shifts to the city. Uh, if you're going to deny uh, the request, uh, to point to substantial, competent evidence in the record as to some inconsistency with the requirements for the final plat. Uh, city Manager, yes or no, at the end of the day, when we look at stormwater, is that us, is that county, is that St. John's? Who supersedes authority on, on that scenario? St. John's. St. John's. Okay. I mean, you know, we have this idea that, that tonight in this specific issue that we have <clears throat> real authority, and in all reality, we don't. We make quasi-judicial decisions. We make quasi-judicial decisions, which means we make decisions in place of a judge. If we don't make this decision, a judge will make it for us. A judge will make it for us. So that's, it's a, it's a legal proceeding. Please, no comments. That's all. No, I just, I, I just know that uh, as, as by law, they've met all the requirements. The city's um, LDC, um, all conditions have been met. So it is our responsibility, as by the law, to go with what Edgewater has already put in place. They've already checked all the boxes. This is not the boxes that we created, but be, we, by law, have to stand by what our city has set in place. Going forward, we have the ability to, to look into things, to invest in things, and have citizens meetings to see what we want as a committee, as a, as a community. But right now, we have to stay with what our city has in place. So the law is the law, and I don't, I don't think that we should 
make a line and, and let's go to court, let's fight it. That's ridiculous. It'll cost us millions of dollars. Let's let's go forward in the future and and let's let's see what we need to do to no make comments. This Final is, warning. This is where this is where Thank we are today. Thank you. Ms. Okay. First of all, I've lived in this city for forty nine years. And I've lived close to the river. And I understand what you people are up against with all this new development. I'm not all pro all this development either. But you can't stop it once it's gone to a certain point. And this, this project has gone to a certain point that we cannot stop the, the plat and them going further. They've already met all the criteria that we have laid out. Now, um, from what I'm understanding here, a lot of this is county problems that you should be I have to agree, you should be going to the county and raising this kind of problem, this kind of noise with the county instead of blaming it all on us. We're not the only ones liable for all of this. We didn't create the thousand years flood. We didn't create all this extra water that people have in their house. We as a council try to do what we can do best to help the citizens. Apparently, you guys aren't necessarily, and I don't mean to be critical about this, but you aren't citizens of Edgewater per se. You're on our fringes in the county. And what we do affects you. I'm well aware of that. But I have been on this county for, I mean, this, this council off and on for the last 17 years. And I have never, ever been to a county, a council meeting this disruptive and this disrespectful for your law enforcement people. We're here to try to help you. And all you're doing out there is accusing us and alienating us and tell, telling us the people that we depend on to, to give us the, the information that we need to make the decisions are all wrong and you are all right. But you don't give us any solid proof from legitimate engineers, legitimate attorneys. You don't give us anything like that, but you're upset about all this. And I understand that and I sympathize with you. But to come to us like we're the enemy is not the way to get things done. Anywhere you go, you have a fight with your wife or your husband, you don't get anything done when you're just hollering at each other and not, a, not meeting, meeting in the middle here. You just can't. And so all we're asking now is we're put in a position that we, if we don't approve this, then the city itself is up for a lawsuit. And you people that are in the county, I don't see you willing to pay help pay for that. Because we denied something. No, we, because we denied something that you wanted. So we denied it, and we're open for a lawsuit because we didn't follow the laws of the state of Florida. And we're not willing to do that to the, our people that live and are registered and vote in Edgewater. And it's not just the voting. It's the people that live here. That's what we care most about, and that's what we're going to satisfy the most. Now, if you're willing to meet with our, our, our staff and the engineers to meet some, to come to some kind of happy medium that everybody can be fairly happy, I'm, nobody's going to be 100%, I realize that. But if you can come to some kind of meeting that the majority is fairly happy with the consensus and don't rely on a thousand year flood to use as an excuse for all your flooding. Because I, I've never seen this flooding like it has been this past, the past ones we had. And like I said, I've been here 40, 47 years, 49 years, excuse me, I get lost. So um, 
All I'm asking is a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding from you. We have to sit and listen to you and try to understand it. That's all we're doing. We're put in a position we cannot deny this. We have to approve it, or we're not doing our jobs as elected officials for the city. That's the situation you're asking us to do, and, and I, I can't do that. And if, and if we did that, then you're not going to vote for us because you, you're going to say, well, they can be bought and they can be dissuaded and blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of reasons. But I swore an oath when I took this office to up here, up, up, uphold the rules, the laws of our city, the government, the state, and that's what I will do with this vote. As a matter of fact, if nobody else wants to say anything. I do. Okay. I'll let the mayor talk first. <laughs> the hardest thing in my whole entire life was pulling my 87-year-old grandmother out of a front window because the water was so high in my childhood home. Not only that, I have a large SUV in Florida Shores. I couldn't get my SUV to her home. She lives two doors down from my parents. Thankfully, my parents' house was a little bit higher. I had two friends of mine that walked in her home, and they come walking out before I walked in. I was checking with all the neighbors and asking if they needed anything. They walked out. They were soaked. We were walking through the streets, so we were up to I, I, my chest. I'm 5'8". They were up to almost here in water. Her house was as high as her countertop with water. And I had to go back to my home, which thankfully did not flood on Unity Tree, and tell her, everybody else, no offense, wanted to tell her, my good friends, could not tell her that her home was as bad as what it was. I had to tell her. That was the hardest thing in my whole entire life. She's 88 years old, almost, in May. She lost everything. Thousands of dollars. I feel your pain. I, I lost... Count, things that were sentimental to me for my whole entire life. Autographed books, photographs with politicians that I admired my whole entire life. I understand. I look at every development in Edgewater, and I've actually caught three mistakes at Oak Leaf, and they have been fixed, me and the manager. And while Darren was out of town, I believe, is it Sean, the deputy? Sean went with us, Mr. Storch. Knew about the problem, fixed it. There was a breach in a utility pond. It was going through the wetlands and out towards the Massey Canal. They fixed it right away. But regardless, we have to move forward past this. It, it's not ideal. And Mr. Manager, before that, you were ill, and so was Gigi. I believe we were going to have a land development session right. to go over with a magnifying glass, what exactly we, the council, want to move forward. And we would encourage everybody in here to attend. We're, we're, three members of this council are new. Jonah, you were elected two years ago. Gigi is the only veteran on the council that we have. And it's not ideal. We need to move forward to the 21st century codes. I have said this since the day I was elected. I encourage you to attend that meeting, and I'm sure we will post it publicly. Oh, yeah. And I hope to reschedule that very soon, as everybody, I think, is feeling great past this point, except for Councilwoman Gillis. So, moving forward, I feel your pain. I will personally come out to Elizabeth Street tomorrow morning 
at 9 a.m. I will be there and I will talk to each and every one of you guys, anybody who would like to. And I will take the argument wherever it needs to be. Thank you. It's a land development code meeting uh, because I have brought visioning session. vision session, but it's also a land development code in, with magnifying glasses to see if the council would like to change anything. It was scheduled, but we had two members account well, one member of council and our city manager become ill. I will post it personally on my Facebook page, and my phone number is on the city of Edgewater's website. I'm always accessible at any time. And these visioning sessions that this visioning session is for the citizens to come in and help us look at what we want in the future for our city. And we have that usually we have those one every 10 years or so, five years. But for other reasons, I don't know why, but we just haven't been having them on a regular basis. But we're up and we're ready. And, and as soon as we can get it organized within the next month or so, we will have it. And you all, it'll be an open door. Anybody who wants to attend, can come in and you get to speak your piece. Just not for the land development code. That's going to be a workshop. That's not the visioning session. But you can't attend. Yeah, but you can. And, and the, we will express our concerns. And you can email us and call us at any time. Okay, so I hope you you, you bear with us. Um, we're in a difficult position as you are, and we all understand that. And with that, I'm going to make a motion to approve this flat. Second. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePew? No. Item D, ZA 2301. Joseph Posley requested an amendment to Riverside Villas planned unit development, RPUD, agreement and the accompanying primary plat. The applicant has requested this item to be continued to the April 2023 City Council meeting. Okay. Is there a motion? I make a motion that we. What is it? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to Either continue or postpone? Uh, con okay, continue this for the April 2023 meeting. I second. Roll call. Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePew? Yes. Officer reports, city clerk. Oh, she's got a bunch of little things too. Um, so the April meeting, I know most of you are aware, but that is being moved from the 6th to the 10th. Okay. Everybody is aware of that. Um, I wanted to get the council's consensus or blessing um, at the request of our mayor. He would like to implement um, an exceptional citizen and or business award program. Um, we've, I've got to work out the details of implementing it and, and all of that. Um, but as long as everybody is good. I don't good. have a problem. That's a really good <clears throat> yeah. Great. I actually just have one more thing to add as well. Um, the high school has approached me. They do youth council in Newsome Beach, and they would like to add a vision next year to the city of Edgewater. I've spoken to yes. you about your full support, so it sounds like a great yeah. idea. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yep. Anytime we can get the young ones involved, it's good for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's a good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was back at you. Our city, city, city attorney. I'm, I'm not done yet. I'm oh, I'm so oh. sorry. <laughs> um, I just wanted to update you on the public records request that, I'm that I've been receiving since um, mid-January. Currently, I have 175 open public records requests. 167 of those are possibly from the same individual, and those requests are for personnel files, emails, call logs, so they're extremely time-consuming to do. Um, <clears throat> we've completed 179 requests since January 1st. So far for 2023, I have received 354 public records requests. In comparison, in 2022, for the entire year, we had 449 public records requests. Bear in mind, I do not have an employee that their sole job is to complete these requests. It still falls to the two and a half employees that I have. So we are doing our best to fulfill those requests and still do the 10,000 other things that we have to do on a weekly basis. So what are you asking us? I'm not asking you anything. Just I'm just us letting know. you know. Oh, if anybody didn't know that, then they've been in the, I, they've been in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> just, just updating you on uh, what's been going on in my office. Thank you. And wow. okay. then just a reminder... If you have not let me know about the Volusia League of Cities dinner for March 23rd, just please make sure you tell me. Mm -hmm. um, like Thursday, I think. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Oh, you just did one? Just one dinner. Thank you. That's all I have. Did I, did I tell you? That? I think I told you I would yes. tell them. Okay. All right. What about these things that you put down? These are these from just... That's our event. Those are our events. Yeah. Those, oh, we're, these yeah. are our events? Yeah, those planning. are all of our events. Oh, events I thought maybe it was, well, I did know these <clears throat> things and all. Okay. All right. Yep, those are all our um, edge tests. Oh. Is that it? Yes. City attorney. All right. <clears throat> oh, um, we're going to listen to him now? <laughs> <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm sorry. Um, as you'll recall, you, the City Council authorized me to file a foreclosure suit on 1859 Pine Tree Drive property to foreclose our code enforcement liens. So that complaint has been filed. The clerk has issued the summons. And so at this point, we need to serve uh, the two defendants in the case. And I believe I mentioned at the last meeting that this property was inherited by two sisters. We've been in touch with uh, Lisa Ann Worley uh, you know, to make sure we had a good address for her. <coughs> And um, they're both out of state, so the summonses have been uh, sent to sheriffs in Pennsylvania and New York to serve these two sisters. Unfortunately, uh, Ms. Worley um, mentioned that she's not been in contact with her sister for like 10 years. She believes at some point at least she was homeless. I believe she was living in this property even after the city turned off the water. Um, so it, it looks like it could be very challenging to serve one of the two defendants. But we do need to make an attempt at the last known address. Um, if that fails, then uh, we may need, uh, serve her by publication as opposed to personal service. So I just wanted to let you know what's going on with, uh, with the foreclosure case. So that could delay things a little bit. But at least we're doing something about it. We are. Yes, that's Yeah, we're important. moving ahead yeah. as quickly as we can. All right, uh, moving uh, on to the next case on the Ingalls uh, versus the city of Edgewater case and uh, certain 
current and former employees. Uh, the plaintiff filed a third amended complaint. I had the first two dismissed. They filed the third amended complaint, and I filed an answer and affirmative defenses uh, in connection with that lawsuit. So it will now be in the discovery phase of that lawsuit. Those are the only two pending cases, but I would like uh, your authority to file a, uh, a new case, and that relates to um, a claim that we made on a bid bond relating to the Hart Avenue drainage and water main improvements. Back in August, I made a demand um, against the surety company on a, the bid bond um, that was defaulted on in connection with that project. So by way of background, American Design Engineering Construction was a successful low bidder on the project. <coughs> and on June 6th of last year, the City Council awarded the contract to them based on its low bid. Uh, subsequent to the award of the contract, um, the City informed um, ADEC that the City required payment and performance bonds for the project. Uh, the City staff was informed that that wasn't going to be possible because of the how low the bid was. It was more than a million dollars lower than the next <coughs> bid. So when the insurance company looks at riding a performance bond uh, on something like that, they're not going to do it because of the discrepancy in the bids. So they defaulted on the uh, bid bond that they posted, and I made back in August a claim against the surety, uh, United Fire and Casualty Company, for a claim on the bid bond. The bid bond is to secure performance if they are the winning bidder that they actually follow through with the, you know, the, the project and all the requirements. So their bid um, uh, on the project was $1,948,663. The bid bond uh, secured 5% of their bid. So the claim would be against uh, the uh, bonding <coughs> company for $97,433. And as I mentioned, I made the claim back in August. We aren't making any progress in resolving it. So at this point, um, well, on February 17th, I gave the bonding company 30 days to pay the claim. If they don't do that, I would like your authority to go ahead and file a lawsuit against both the construction company and the surety company uh, based on the default on the bid bond. So has the insurance company read into this? Like, is this, do they have anything, they don't have anything to do with this because it's not liability, is it? No, okay. exactly. So, this it, is so it, it doesn't relate to the city's insurance company. We're making a claim against the bonding company right. that right. issued the bid bond. Okay. I'd say a tie. Yeah, I don't think it's going to get resolved um, without litigation, unfortunately. Yeah, the last time I spoke to the adjuster on this, he said, well, normally we give the, the principal, the construction company, time to work it out. We we're going to give them seven more days, but you know, I told them that we haven't had any, I haven't had any letters or emails or anything from this you know, construction company yeah. in, a, in an attempt to resolve this. I'm sure they're, they're probably not interested in resolving it. They just want it to go away. But it's not Is this something we would away. have to rebid now? It was already right. The contract was canceled. Okay. And it went to the next lowest. We've bid. already done. Okay. It's so already that's already <clears throat> been dealt with. It, but it did cause the city damages. It delayed the uh, public project. Right. And it caused additional staff time to be allocated to this. So the city does have damages in connection with this. Okay, thank you. So I just need a motion uh, to approve filing the lawsuit um, on the bid bond. Make a motion to approve filing the lawsuit on the bid bond. A second. Roll call. 
Councilwoman Bennington? Yes. Councilwoman Dalbo? Yes. Councilman Powers? Yes. Mayor DePew? Yes. And that's all I have. Thank you. City Manager? Yes. <clears throat> Give you an update on the 442 property. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> that was subject to another um, oh, shoot. survey, which has been com or is just about completed sometime this week. Um, there was some stuff found in the initial environmental that caused us to go for an environmental two. That was done under a grant. Um, we're supposed to have those results this week as well. Um, therefore, we need a special meeting for you all to accept the appraisals. And they're in good shape. And the people doing the uh, environmental assessment um, have told us indirectly that there really is no problem. So those people are going to be invited to the special meeting that we've got to have. And I would suggest that we hold that as soon as possible, no later than sometime next week. Because we're running out of time. Yeah, the due diligence period well, expires we'll on March guys. 22nd. So we want to vote before then. <clears throat> yeah. After we get surveyed. I don't have yes, anything absolutely. this. Supposed to have them both this week. Wednesday. I can do anything if it's, you know, like 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I can do Thursday at five. There is, I think there is a ribbon cutting on. There is. There's a ribbon cutting for La Familia. But we could that. do if we did five. That's fine. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did <coughs> is the ribbon cutting at fours? Correct. Uh, what ribbon cutting was it? At La Familia, you know the new listing. Oh, yeah. We've got to have the documents as on well. Thursday. We don't have the documents. No. Yeah, the survey. Five. We don't have the survey yet. So when oh. do you need that? When will you have that? By the 22nd. So you want to have it on the 22nd? No. You, got, you, you all have to approve this stuff prior to the 22nd. Oh, I thought you said you needed the documents prior to us doing that. Okay, I'm getting tired, I guess. I do. <laughs> so is the 9th okay then? The 9th will be okay if we have the documents, yes. But what if we don't have the documents then? What will happen? We'll have to move the meeting. Okay. So it would be like a day-by-day -day thing on this yes. penalty for the ninth. Okay. Just what time? Six is fine. Six is fine. Six is <clears throat> good. Any time that I'm, any time is good that I'm not in the office. I don't plan on going back. Glad to know. <laughs> okay. That is if the mayor doesn't hit me. <laughs> Push me off my boat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so, going on your boat. <laughs> <laughs> items, you were there in spirit. Item 12, citizens' comments. Yes, my name is Faye Helton, 1710 India Palm Drive. And I noticed that the city and the council, they've been talking a lot about flooding and stuff. And I've been down here in Edgewater for 13 years and some houses have drainage ditches under their driveways, and they let them clog up. I mean, from 32nd Street, like on, on Victory Palm, <clears throat> anytime it rains, it flooded. I don't know why they have these in place and nobody's maintaining them. You know, a lot of the drain things between the subdivisions are let to grow high. They're not cutting them. They're not cleaning them. And people aren't maintaining them in front of their homes. And I think if they did that, a lot of this would be. In 2007, there's a study done. I'm, I believe it was 2007. Um, somebody who's at Public Works remembers it like it was yesterday, and he stated this to me. 
an outside company came in and did a study. If now, every day, even Saturday and Sunday, they went out to just Florida shores and did every swale and ditch, it would take 10 years to get them clean and dug out to the proper locations and drainage places. But we can start. Takes funding, grant money, that would be thousands and thousands of dollars, and we need outside laborers. But okay. We're discussing our stormwater. We're, we're working on it. All right, thank you. Of course. It hasn't been ignored, even though some people think so. Hello again. Um, thank you for giving me the time to speak. Obviously, uh, I don't speak publicly, publicly often. Very nervous, very passionate, so I do appreciate your time. Um, I did want to apologize about the outburst. You know, we're all just very sensitive to the situation. Um, I did want to clarify because I feel that I was a bit misunderstood. We are not coming after the city whatsoever. Um, when I'm saying you, I know I'm staring at you guys, but I was absolutely directing my frustration to the development solely, Glenn Storch and his solution that he created for our neighborhood that we will not oblige to. Um, as Glenn Storch said, you have to follow the law. So where I was confused is uh, I was legally, you cannot discharge water into an area that was not there before. So what I was trying to get across was how can Oakleaf Preserve say that they have not, or, or sorry, how can Oakleaf Preserve say that they have followed the law when the surface water, sorry, I have it right here. The surface water law stated in the 2023 DOT drainage manual is not being followed. Um, the, I just want the developer held responsible regardless of the flood. I understand that the hurricanes was devastating, but I'm talking about future potential heavy rainstorms. We could be affected because of the half acre that is coming into my backyard from a six-foot berm that has no plan of, of drainage. Understanding that there's a development, development, I'm happy with the expansion of the city, but I think that they need to be in the right by doing right by the neighbors of providing some kind of drainage so we're not getting 17,650 square feet of runoff in directly into my backyard. We understand that. Can I get your address one more time for tomorrow morning? Yes, you can meet at my house. I kind of have been the representative for Elizabeth Good. Street. It is 1756. 1756. Elizabeth. Awesome. It's a mile long road, so I'm at the very end. Blue house, empty lot next to me. Um, we can walk right on that empty lot up. Got it. This, this, I'm joking. I'm sorry. I shouldn't joke. I was going to ask you, did the, em, the empty lot have water in it? Yes. Because he could find it by that. Yes, it did. <laughs> so, thank you for your time. Thank you. Say my name again. Yes, sir. Jeremy Rondi, 1718 Elizabeth Street, and I apologize to you as well. I don't blame you. I just want you to maybe investigate and maybe make a plan because I'm telling you this is going to happen again. I've been around this my whole life, and I know. I knew it wasn't when it rained. Me and my wife like, were leaving. We're loading up my, our cars. I knew it was going to flood, and I just already already seen the water two weeks. The pictures were two weeks before the flood. That area of my yard, we're on the high side of the street. We don't live where it flooded. It didn't get in my house. It got into the, the floor joists. I had to rip out all the insulation, the AC system. <clears throat> but it's just, I had 19 inches in my yard. I've never had 19 inches. My shed in the back was underwater. I'm a building contractor. All my tools got ruined. My neighbor next door has lived there for 30-some years. Never has that ever happened. So 
when you're when he's saying, see, see, my front of my yard goes to the street, my backyard goes where it used to be woods. It's slanted that way. My shed is in the back. My so now there's a a wall there. It's like you're just the water's going there and stopping and coming back to my yard. And that's like that's all I want you to do. Just please. And the further I know it's it, and you everybody says it's too late. They didn't build the houses yet. It's not too late. And if they're if they're a, a considerate, real, realistic company, when you get a, a lawyer up here talking for an hour of your time and my time and everybody else's time, there's a fight here. Obviously, he knows it, or he wouldn't have prepared all the situation because they're trying to dig themselves out of a hole, just like they always do. I'm the little guy. Just think, hey, maybe we can do something. And I do not blame you. I'm. I know some of you are new on the board, and I know nobody saw that storm coming. And this is. I, when they, the day they started putting that in there, I'm like, that's a problem. When I, and the digging out the land, I'm like, six feet? Are you serious? Six? Just think six feet. There is nowhere around here that's six feet above your house. If I went to your, ne to your house and would live right next door and I built a six foot of dirt, would you have a problem with that? I think everybody here would have a problem with that. That's, that's crazy. Six feet. It's so they could get all the water out to the front of that place because they have to be higher in the back to get to the front. I mean, I know how water works. Like I said, I've worked on drainage systems. And I knew that. And I was fortunate because I'd got all my cars, my vehicles, everything out on time. Because I knew it was going to happen. I was like, this is going to be a disaster. And I called people two weeks from the city and told them, I have water in my backyard. And everybody, the whole process was like, it's going to be okay. It's not going to do it. It's going to drain the other way. And I'm, I'm a builder. I'm like, water goes downhill, man. And you fill in a spot. Six feet, you're going to have a problem on the other side. So I do not blame you. Just please, please. And the, there's, there's more developments going down all the way to the street. If that goes down, you're going to have a serious issue then because it ain't going to be – that. we're ahead of time on that. So I want to speak it and make it on the record. The next one's going, and some of them haven't started yet. Stop them. Thank you, sir. Okay. I appreciate it. Any other fur further citizens' comments at this time? With no further business, we are adjourned.